Let me know when we're starting. Oh, but shut up, man. Why have you... Where's Johnny? Where... Why are you all eating? It's dinner time, isn't it? Dinner time? In oh, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's dinner time, in it? Stay oh, oh, my God. Surrounded. Surrounded by unprofessionals. I would never... Is that how you never... do the British slang? I would never in a million years think to eat during a podcast, especially no, one not. that is presented by T-Mobile. Because welcome to episode 51 of Plat Chat, presented by T-Mobile. Where's Johnny? Where's he gone? I don't know. I think he's gone to make some coffee or something. Get caffeine in it. I don't know. I don't know, Brent. <laughs> Can you hear grinding coffee? If, uh, if, if there were people who just listened to this on like audio platforms... Like, Johnny could probably not be here the whole episode. Nobody would know the difference. <laughs> I can hear him grinding the coffee in the background. I'll be done soon. We can start. It's the most noise Johnny's ever made on the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm ignoring Matt's comment. How does Brent deal uh, with this as the bastion of professionalism now? I wanted to tell you all a lovely little story that happened to me, actually, when I was getting involved. You know, I've been getting in involved in Magic the Gathering a lot. Recently. No, I don't. Tell me about it. Well, okay, I'll tell you what I've been doing. So I've been getting deep into like the investment aspect of Magic the Gathering, of the buying and selling cards and stuff. And part of the the comes of that is that what I found out is that there's there's set territories in Los Angeles that that various card barons they call them the card barons they control this territory what? and they are the dealer they're the dealers of the cards in this in the card set areas. smugglers yeah we're not quite smugglers but they are you if you if you're trying to buy or sell cards you've got to go through them because otherwise you're skirting past their territory you're going uh, like, like the back. drug dealers of magic the gathering cards kind that of yeah it does sound like drug dealing so Why i've been trying to so, so i've been trying to get involved in that and i noticed that there's a there's this whole thing with an underground magic scene that you're not really supposed to talk about but i've been getting involved in it anyway and in mm. Los Angeles, so what I've been doing is I've been going out trying to find some of the local barons, seeing if there's any good deals, because I've been pulling some good cards out of my packs. Um, and I've been trying to get, get some, some decent amount back so I can then invest it into even more gambling, which is what I've just been doing over the course of the COVID break, just buying boxes and gambling it. And I, I found myself in, a, in an area of Los Angeles that I didn't really know too well. I've never really been there oh, too right. many times. Oh, it was scary. It was it was pretty dark. It was about 3 p.m. And because of the smoke, it was actually looked like it was 10 p.m. Um, and, uh, and I was going around the streets of, a, of an unusual place. Now, luckily, again, I had T-Mobile. So I was able to find where exactly I was, roughly where the meeting point was. But the issue then lied when I, uh, I entered. Uh, uh, where is Johnny going? I don't know. It's walked don't know, off. Mate. Anyway, the, the issue then lied with me trying to. Um, enter the place because you needed to exchange a passcode to even get let into this kind of establishment. All wow. socially distanced, of course. I was wearing a mask. The, the sure. guy was standing six feet away from the door when he slid it open. Don't know how he managed <laughs> it, but he did it. And uh, he asked me what the passcode was. I said the passcode. Came, of course, strapped uh, as you have to with this when you're carrying. He was uh, with a gun? Say, say again? Strapped? No, strapped with my phone. Oh. oh, of course, right. Just in yeah, case yeah, there's yeah. trouble, you can call the police or something. Um, yeah, it yeah. Came, came strapped. And uh, I had all my, in my backpack, I had all my expensive Magic the Gathering cards. I got about $1,000 worth in my backpack that I'm trying to offload. And uh, they let me in eventually, and I have to go through various security measurements to ensure that I'm not carrying anything illegal, like any black lotuses. You can't be carrying those into a standard tournament. That's not sure. allowed at all. Um, and right. I get eventually down, and I'm in going down the steps, 
of this place of this establishment into the basement yeah into the basement where a lot of the deals are done and yeah. uh and i'm starting to panic and sweat a little bit i'm starting to worry a little bit because i'm the bees are sweat coming down my head because i'm like this doesn't seem right i grew up on the streets of gloucester i'm street smart i know when a deal's about to go south this looked right. this looked odd they had barred the entrance of the door that i was going into i was going oh, into the basement good. there wasn't really much going on and but they I, were all I, staying six feet away. Oh, yeah, all yeah. six feet away, of course. Um, cause, uh, cause, Big oh, basement. My, my fantasy league is just uh, one of my players who started to play. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the, I, I get down there and I'm starting a negotiation process with the kingpin of Culver City. And, uh, and we're, we're getting into negotiations. I'm showing him what I've got on offer as well. I've got a bunch of different cards from various sets, various years. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to pull a fast one on me. No. Yeah. What did he do? Yeah, he's trying to pull a fast one on me. He's misquoting prices. Oof. Of course, this is, all, this is all happening six feet apart. He's misquoting prices. Um, he's telling me that it's actually the cards I've got are lightly played instead of mint condition when I know for a fact they're Oof. mint condition. When I've, because I've literally just pulled them. Yeah. And you're yeah. in his territory as well. So. I'm in his territory, yeah. so I don't really have in much leeway. you don't know. And he's, he starts giggling. I'll try and do my best impression of him. And he starts... <laughs> That's a giggle. You fool, you have walked into my basement where you no longer have any sort of internet connection to double check the prices of your magic cards. What are you going to do now? And that's when I look down at my what phone. I look in the top right corner. What are you talking about? And you know what I saw? What did you see? 5G, dude. 5G bars, oh, baby. Full strength. Full throw, baby. You already know. That T-Mobile unlock because you know they got America's largest 5G network covering 215 million people nationwide in nearly 6,000 cities and towns. And even better, the nationwide 5G network works indoors and outdoors, covering thousands of miles, or the competition only covers city blocks. And you know that helped me out when I was making those underground Magic the Gathering deals, baby. So rank up and take your wireless game to the next level with T-Mobile. Visit T-Mobile.com today, and maybe you. Won't get scammed when you're making your next Magic the Gathering Underground deal. Did you start the show? Yes. Yeah. Welcome oh. to Plat Chat, Johnny. Episode 51 oh, presented that. by T-Mobile. Sorry, I've, I've, I mean, I've already led it in with my story of the week as well, you know? So, that was very good. Definitely something that really happened, Brent. I'm, I'm not, glad yeah, that we yeah. heard from that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like... Uh, I, it's, see, I see how it is. Brent doesn't tell stories when I'm actually around, so... Yeah, that's why we had to cancel foreheads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he knows you're not going to react to the stories. You're just going to sit there. Uh, what are we talking yeah, about I, today? I don't react in cinemas either, do I? If I watch an amazing movie, I don't just start clapping in the middle of the film. Oh, uh, right? yeah, you're a clapper in movies. I feel it. I, 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 can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't retell the story. It's like, it's... All right. That's fine. That's it's fine. Too much. We, yeah, don't need fine. To, we don't need to hear it again. Yeah, I'm not we even sure people. Story, I, yeah, I'm not sure people enjoyed hearing the story the first time. They just want to hear about 5G yeah. from T-Mobile. It was an entertaining story, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah, a great was story, Ben. Don't, don't even okay. worry about it. But uh, we're here to talk about Overwatch. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Overwatch. Exit. And this is this is something that all of the I know everybody who's involved in the competitive scene was really interested. Where's John? Johnny's gone again. It's, I don't know. Let him go. Pouring us coffee. Uh, this is something that all the competitive scene was asking us again and again and again. Please can you talk about this? Please can you talk about this? Please can you talk about this? Well, we're going to talk about it. The Overwatch comic released on Monday. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, this this little teaser here. I actually haven't read it yet. What the fuck is Johnny doing? I don't know. I I have not read the comic either, but it looks cool as hell. Yeah. Has anyone here read the comic? 
No, but what's what's important <laughs> is that it also uh, there's going to be like a skin in the game around it. Uh, there's like, a, cool. you know, they do the events with uh, different heroes. This one will be a Tracer event. Uh, so it's just like a little story in London of when Tracer was in yeah. London with little skin it's, as well. It's pretty sick. And the, it's also, also, I'm flicking through the comic now. It's pretty cool. It's a 24, yeah. full 24 page comic with yep. a fleshed out storyline. It's, you know, very emotive. It's not, it doesn't seem to be the normal, like, um, a lot of the stuff in Overwatch is very, uh, what's the right word for it? It's like very much about the game. It's like mm. almost um, stylizing the stuff that they would do through the game. It's like, oh, we're going on an adventure. We're going to kill some baddies, yeah. yada, yada, yada. There isn't too much of like the characters really talking to each other that much. That's more reserved for the cinematics, I feel. But this has got a lot of... Uh, the first you know, comic in two chatting. years, right? Yep. Uh, they also partnered with uh, Dark Horse Comics uh, to do this as well. Oh. Mm. So I try why it's a little bit longer, like... I love this though, you know? Like this is this is what um got so many people invested in Overwatch, right? It's like the yeah. lore and the characters. Yeah. Like the yeah. more of this you write, the more you flesh it out. Next thing you know, you got Netflix knocking on your door for a little series. Yeah. yeah. This is how you get like people involved, right? And yeah. uh how you build a universe. Like one of my favorite things actually is um I think very limited edition, they print like physical copies or something. And I've actually gone out of my way to ask every time if I can get it in physical copy, just so I can save all the comics. Uh, and like in 20 years, just like look back at the, the physical skin looks awesome, This is the, by the dope. Way. This is the cool, the cool stuff that you can like tell your kids about. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I put the uh, video in the Discord for Kurt, but they kind of tease the... Uh... <laughs> Uh, that, that, that is not the skin, that is Brent's That wasn't the video. <laughs> Sorry, that was... Wrong video, wrong video. Yeah, wrong video, wrong video. Uh, they tease the skin though, and it looks actually really nice. Like, uh, it's Are like a pink that, looking Matt? tracer skin. It looks mm. pretty dope. We're already seeing yeah. it. We're already showing uh, it. The, the end of the comic as well says uh, it has like a, not a trailer, but it has like a little thing about what the next issue is going to be about as well. So, yeah. presumably, this is like a, a series One of comics. Of I don't know how quickly they're going to be released, but it's stuff for people to look forward to as well. I love that they do this kind of stuff. I feel like this is something that Overwatch does. Maybe the best out of a lot of other games. Did, that, you, did uh, you ever read um, the TF2 comics, Josh? The com? Yes, I did, actually. Yeah, yeah. the TF2 comics were very funny. Yeah. It's a very different world to Overwatch where you can be much more, I don't know, uh, uh, much more adult with the humor because yeah. Overwatch is very much more like the... Um, uh, kids focused side. around kids it's not focused around kids but it has to be open to kids as well whereas over <laughs> tf2 was just like just uh, mental. mental just yeah. mental making <laughs> allegations funny. that the spy was the scout's father and yeah yeah all sorts. Wait, what yeah yeah, yeah the, 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 the sniper ended up being from like a, roast the, the scout for 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 <laughs> having sex with his mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wait, what, what? <laughs> yeah that's yeah, that yeah, was that just was a normal recurring also the, joke. I think the, the sniper ended up the sniper ended up being from Atlanta City, Atlantis City, like the underwater city of Atlantis. Possibly. Oh, I think it, said Atlantic City, New Jersey. I was like, what? No, no. <laughs> like, why? Why did they make a character from Atlantic City? Uh, apparently, they they came to the conclusion that the New Zealand was a made up place in the comic as well, as like yeah. a running gag because New Zealand was never included on the maps. Yeah, that sounds like, about right. They, they, uh, that sounds they just, hilarious. Yeah, they just kind of retconned an entire country. And... <laughs> yeah. Sarcasm from Matt. Uh, yeah, oh, that I'm sounds right. hilarious. I, 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 that's I, really funny, guys. I on, what was this game, TF2? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Well, we don't have to talk about the comics anymore, Matt, if you don't want to talk about it. I think it's pretty oh, cool. cool. If you don't like I comics, think, that's look, fair enough. Any type of lore or story content they give us is awesome. Uh, the fans want it. Uh, we want it. Uh, I mean, fans of even the Overwatch League are just huge fans of the game of Overwatch in general. This is the type of stuff that kind of keeps that alive, right? So yeah. uh, the, more, the more of this, the better, I think. All right, let's look over now the competitive side then, because I want to I talk about what we've actually witnessed this weekend. Uh, not a lot happened, to be honest. It wasn't really any, anything eventful. No, uh, no, not an important uh, week no, in the Overwatch no, League not at really all. that important. But, uh, just I another guess, week. Do you just want to do the award show instead? Yeah, let's just skip <laughs> to predictions for next week. <laughs> let's, no, let's, let's look over the North American bracket, because shit did not go down how anybody expected with this. Um, starting with the San Francisco Shock actually securing the number one seed over the Fusion. In this match here, I think every uh, every analyst, with the exception of, I think Harsha was like the one of the only people that I know of that predicted the Shock to win this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody and took Philly. Harsha also yeah. said that he hadn't really been watching the matches recently. He just thought Shock were <laughs> an overall better team, which mm. makes sense. Like after the week break. If you think a team is just straight up better, they're going to use the week more effectively and become better. But even so, I mean, this was this was uh, still surprising. I mean, honestly, considering how Philly performed later on in the tournament as well, Philly yeah. looked so good. Yeah, but they they, they couldn't quite match the shock in this match. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Like you look at Philly's run, like the rest of the way, right? Like uh, after that, like they're, they're. I mean, the whole playoffs for Philly, they were dominant, right? Uh, the shock yeah. we've seen them up and down a little bit. Uh, yeah, this I one think, though, the shock just looked really good. Like, I think it comes down to Philly not winning the first map because yeah. the halftime adjustment from the shock was huge to play much more of the Zen Mercy and the the long range poke kind of compositions that they that work really well on both Skyrim and Gibraltar anyway. So it it made a lot of sense. It was super powerful. And to be honest, if you're the shock, that's the one place you have looked better than Philly is playing these long range compositions where Violet yeah. just throws out damage and Ants is a beast. But on Li Zhang, it felt like Philly should have won. Uh, and <laughs> Philly, I think they went up something like 99 to zero on round one and ended up losing it 9900. Yeah. Yeah. I might have been wrong with the exact numbers there, but it was something like that. And then they won the next round fairly comfortably. And again, it's like a 9900 on the third map. And because they were playing a lot more brawly kind of comps, I, I really thought Philly were going to win that first engagement. Yeah. It, looked, yeah. it looked to be playing the better Overwatch, but Shock was so clutch. I mean, it was so back and forth with the EMP cancellations and everything. Like, it That's literally one right there. Either way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was both ways as well. You know, it wasn't like Hisu was strictly dominating Ants. And I, both Sombras essentially EMP'd at the same time. Almost every oh, fight, especially on Gardens. It was nuts. <laughs> so it could have really gone either way. But overall, it just felt... It's so typical well, of the Shock to just, like, overpower their opponents. And just, like... The, the, is, is Shock the most individually skilled team in the league? Or are they more stacked than the Dragons? I don't think so. Mm, I mean, I when don't. I... When yeah. I think about the shock, I don't actually think about individual skill that that much. Yeah. What? I mean, well, yeah. for, some, no, for some yeah. players. For some what? Players. But but all right, bear with me here, Johnny. The Philadelphia Fusion and the Shanghai Dragons are like supposed to be real super teams. They got players that played really well that were put together all on one team. The shock's players, they they were 
pretty good, but they've become incredibly good on the shock. And I think the shock's greatest asset is like their team coordination, their adjustments at halftime, the way that they all play around each other. Yeah, halftime's yeah. really good. I mean, like pound oh. for pound, Ants and Violet are incredible. You know, maybe Smurf is a little bit better. Striker. I mean, Sorry, on these roles, though, on, on Reaper, like, like, I don't know. I don't think the individual skill makes no. that much difference. But, uh, but yes, obviously, they are incredibly stacked. Yeah, I, I think what, what kind of separates the shock is kind of what Josh was alluding to. Like, could you say that Philly or uh, Shanghai has a stronger team in terms of, like, individual player skill? Like, yeah. But, like, shock takes the high skill of, like, you know, at worst, like, the third in terms of individual skill and combines it with like the best teamwork, right? Like that's what makes them strong. Uh, I don't think it's like the individual just kind of like carry games out of one or two players, right? Uh, I mean, if anything, Carpe <laughs> maybe had a better game than Ants when it came to the, yes. when he got subbed in for Gibraltar and they, they still lost that one pretty, <laughs> pretty handedly, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. what I was going to say is like, you know, it was great adjustments from the shock, like you said at halftime, uh, Josh. Philly didn't make adjustments, and then I almost was going to, like, even think about, like, what I was going to say later about Philly is that they made great adjustments. So I think this was just a really odd game uh, from Philly in terms of they probably thought, like, the mirror were just kind of playing close to it was going to be good enough, uh, and it obviously wasn't. They pretty much ran exactly what they ran the last time when they 3-0'd them. Uh, they didn't really make any adjustments off yeah. of that. Philly are it was very confident kind of in... Uh... Sorry to interrupt, the, but Philly are very confident in their own abilities to adapt on the fly, I think, yes. as well as a yes. team. Like, they're very confident in that. And I, But it, it kind of makes sense in, with hindsight, looking back at the series. Yeah, we all predicted Philly because they were looking so, so clean. And I, I think everyone was kind of of the opinion as well that the shock were teetering a little bit. They were not as dominant as they had been before. Maybe they weren't <laughs> as fired up to win the playoffs because they've already got that championship win, you know? It, as much as... One, they might be saying, you know, oh, we're, we're just as dedicated or just uh, as committed as trying I, I don't to know win. This necessarily motivation, just like composition uh, sometimes has been a bit well, whack. And I think that's justified. Well, I well, think well, that's the point, the point I was going to make. Sorry, if oh, I just sorry. get this yeah. out. No, finish the, your, the, finish the your point, point I was going to make was that as much as they might tell themselves as well, they're completely motivated and committed into, you know, taking it seriously and trying to become a repeated champion. Getting that win beforehand, I imagine that does even subconsciously just kind of eat yes. away at a bit of that motivation to, to get that. If you are, you've, you've already got the win in your head, you know, it's every Overwatch player plays with the goal of being a champion and they already achieved that last year. So I think it's definitely looked a little bit hands off, you know yeah. what I mean? At some points during the season compared to last season for the shock. So yeah. I was kind of of the opinion that. Okay, I I think they're still a good team, but it seems like they just they don't have that extra bit of gas necessary to get over the <laughs> finish line compared to the game teams like Philly that have everything to play for. But that just wasn't the case in the series. A week to prep, they looked very clean, very very well read when it comes to what they what they thought that Philly were going to be playing. Well, the shock I think in this game, it, so Philly obviously is very hungry to try and get like a you know a number one seed, a win, right in general. I think, though, the Shock probably felt like they had much more to play for in the series because oh, yeah. they had just had a close game with the Justice and probably didn't want to try that again. Yeah. Uh, I think also where, they come off the back of the loss in the regular season to Philly, yes, where they were, yeah. Expect yeah. They were the favorites as well. Because speaking the teams uh, and players, uh, they didn't really 
kind of understand how strong like Washington's composition was until they played against it. And then they were yeah. like, oh, shit, that was really good. Uh, so there was probably a little bit of extra pressure from San Francisco. Like they knew that Washington was going to make it out and did not want to have that rematch again because they're very close to losing to Washington. I mean, Washington goes up to uh, they have to reverse sweet in tremendous fashion yeah. where Philly probably is like, ah, well, whatever. It's the justice. We'll adapt. Like, we'll be fine. Where a lot of other teams, uh, after having lost to Washington and then even played against Washington, was like, ah, that is not something to mess around with. Yeah. I don't I know if say. it necessarily comes down to just player motivation like this, though. Like, you can't just make, like, these dash statements on, like, how motivated the players are going into a match. Like, I think the Philadelphia, both teams really wanted to win this matchup. And I don't think it's, you know, necessarily fair to just be like, Oh, these guys were probably motivated. These guys weren't. That's how well, it ended up. Like I don't this. think anyone said that they weren't motivated. Obviously, both teams want to win the match. I think we just kind of said that one team probably had a little bit of extra motivation than the other. I, when we look at the actual games themselves, the second half speaks um, very interestingly about the styles, in my opinion, because once the shock made this adaptation to play. Uh, more of the Violet Zen and Striker Tracer and that kind of stuff, Philly were a little slow to be able to pick up on it. Yeah. For, for example, I mean, the thing is as well that that doesn't tell the entirety of the story too because on Volskaya, Shock played the Mirror of the Sombra Reaper and they capped with three and a half minutes yeah. on, on, the, on the time bank. So the Shock were just able to execute a comp by virtue of basically that EMP that you just saw right there, and then they snowballed it into point B. But then when it came to the defense, and this was also true on Gibraltar, Shock just manhandled the defense against Philadelphia because pushing into Shock when they have Striker on the Tracer, and Philly don't really have somebody to match Striker no. on the Tracer. Because if you want to put Carpe in there, then Hisu's on the Ash, and then Hisu's versus Alance. So I kind of see what you mean, Johnny, when you're talking about the team being stacked, because when you when it comes down to this like Tracer Ash gameplay, I mean, who the hell is going to be able to go up against Anson yeah. Striker when it comes to Tracer Ash? Like, this uh, is an outrageous duo to go up yeah. against for any of the top four teams. And I think that Shock probably like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use the word best anymore. But the, the, <laughs> like the insane tactical adaptation from the mid series, and this is what happened against the Justice Two. Sure, yeah. it was just put Striker on Tracer, you know, essentially. And it was the same here against the Fusion when they did start playing the Ash and Tracer. But like, this this team just screams so much like high IQ, like high Overwatch IQ. Like they just know yeah, how yeah. to calmly and collected, just adapt to the moment and to the series and just get across the finish line. Uh, when I look at the Philadelphia Fusion and I'm like, yeah, they have a great strategy, especially the game plans against the Justice, which we'll talk about later, just like blew my mind away. Like they came into that match so incredibly prepared. Yeah, really and this did. is what we've seen from the Fusion so many times. They have a great understanding of like compositions and how to use well, them in yeah. matchups, etc. Well, but I feel like Fusion doesn't make these super clutch <laughs> last minute tactical adaptations. And in the past, it's just like, hey, let's, let's bet on Carpe. Uh, like I know it's not I know it's not said like that in like the prep room in like the strats, just like Let's pray Carpe pops off. But he saved them so many times, and they, they don't have that final oomph that the Shock has, in my opinion. I think they absolutely they've done have, that, though. Yeah, they have. They have during, I, do you think back to their match against the Gladiators when they were on the cusp of getting 3-0'd and they ended up reverse sweeping them by mirroring them in a Sombra comp that they hadn't played at all? Yeah, I yeah. think Philly actually do uh, do that and, fairly and, often. But they don't... I don't know whether they do it in the big games very much. Yeah. I mean, Whereas well, the Shock have so much playoff experience 
they are so happy to just adapt on the fly against anybody. Right, like, look at all the stuff that Philly kind of waff 24 hours to play Washington kind of came up yeah. with, right? I mean, you guys want to move That's not the crazy. same thing, though. That it's, you know, we can separate tactics and strategy, and I'm, I'm complimenting their strategy and how prepped they were against Washington. But, like, when it's, like, map three and you're stuck on Volskaya for a little bit, like, you have to make some kind of, like, shot call adjustment on the fly to, like, handle what the shock are doing. So you're saying their mid-game adjustments aren't good? They're, of course they're good. I mean, they're a top two team in NA, but I feel like Shock has more oomph in that regard. Yeah. Like, they I, I really know how to get the job done. I would and agree I think with that. Sometimes yeah, that, that makes sense. Sometimes in these final matchups, that is what makes I think a difference in, yeah, for in, Fusion, in, in my opinion. When, when it's a lot to Countdown play Cup for. Countdown Cup 2. Right? When there's a lot to play for in the playoff scenarios a little bit, because Shock has the experience of, of being in multiple playoffs. This is something yeah, that Super yeah. was saying, actually, in the piece when he was recorded. I can't remember what the piece was about, but I distinctly remember they asked Super a question. It was, like, why, why is your team going to win the grand finals? That's, I think right. that's what and, they said. And he said that we have been in almost every playoff since, like, 2019. Uh, we have way more experience compared to any other team when it comes to those playoff scenarios. Yeah, it's like, unreal. Yeah. It's yeah. unreal, they, isn't it? I think they've been to every grand final of every title other than the Summer Showdown, where it was Philly Paris. That's the first yeah. one that they missed under... Crusty since like stage four 2019 That's something wild, like that it's wild no so we can, no, we can also, 2018 we can yeah. move on as well now to talk about philly versus washington because we've already kind of drifted into that just by yeah. the nature yeah. of talking about that what I, i'll just start this off Unreal. by saying as well just cementing again what an insane what an insane performance from philly to just yeah. make Washington's comp look absolute <laughs> doo-doo with 12 yeah. hours well, of prep no, so sick who who thought that Philly was going to win this match? I thought it was going to be super close. I yeah. really thought I this know. was a dangerous, dangerous I thought this was trap a really, game for Yeah, I thought it was as well. I was not feeling great I mean, about I it. I think I said on, on the last plat chat that if Philly lost to the Shock, I thought they were probably going to lose to the Justice. Because if you lose yeah. to the Shock, you haven't had the time to be able to prep against the Justice, probably. Because right. I'd love to talk to Christopher and KDG to <laughs> yeah. actually get, you know, the the have a longer conversation they, about how they use that off week. But I assume that you use the off week to prep for the shock. You don't they, use. They almost look more. I was going to say they almost look more prepared for the justice than they did for like. Which makes sense though, right? Because the, the justice only play one comp. So in theory, right. you can prep for the justice really hard because they only play one comp, yeah. one style. Whereas the shock play multiple, but. Uh, they made them look trash, and we yeah. know the justice aren't trash. Yeah. And and I tell you what, I think, I think when we get to grand finals, we you're going to see Philly play a lot of different stuff, a lot of kind of even Roadhog looks like we saw them play uh, during the series. So I think, I think every team teams, needs to play I think Hog. All teams are going to play Hog in some kind of Hog Sigma. You're, you're going to find. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, this Hog is going to be the meta. I think th th this kind of uh, these opening weeks of the playoffs were where teams discovered, okay, what what metas can be played or what sorry what compositions could be played but what you get down to when you have a lot more time is finding out okay where are they most effective and where yeah. can you run them at where, where they're at yeah. best at maximum efficiency that's what you're so, going to start to see probably when we uh, get into the final four my my grand finals bracket is actually intact with the correct seedings and i really think no I, way I, really oh yeah, yeah it you is yeah soul. oh yeah so i i predicted I predicted the fusion to lose two straight and just go out and shock Ooh. to lose against Seoul and then do a Ooh. lower bracket run to the finals. We're, we're, I so, wanted to, we're talking about this. We're talking about this later. Ago, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about. I want to talk about the 
this is um, a discussion for a later point, basically. But we're just we're keeping it onto the onto the idea of Washington. Yeah, yeah I, for for Philadelphia, I mean, they they start out so they counted the comp in two different ways, which is the most mm -hmm. impressive thing to me because they start out by playing Sombra Reaper, yeah. and they they showcased that. Right, I, a lot of people started thinking we were broken records when we were saying Sombra Reaper can be a counter, but you have to play it perfectly. And and they're like, people, right, people I mean, if you have to would... play it perfectly, yeah. shut the fuck up. Like yeah. this is not a counter. You can't run this comp if you have to play it like you are gods in order to win. But Philly did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Philly are just gods here. And it's like, okay, you can get countered by a hook or by a headshot, but if you play this fast and this perfect with your aggression yep. and your coordination and your focus fire, you win. As Phenomenal. soon as they saw Aim God and he was a little bit further away from the hog, he was fucking dead. Yeah. I mean, yep. he, was, and he Janu, was dead in seconds. Didn't yep. Janu have something like 27 deaths over the first two It was insane. Yeah, he was first death in so, so many scenarios. So what I noticed when I was watching it, uh, instead of, so I've casted a ton of the Justice games just like being uh, whatever the schedule was. When teams would kill Janu, they would either back out, like back away, and like give Ark that res for free, or like they would just take so much damage from everybody else. But I yeah. noticed what they did, especially on Li Zhang, and as soon as they would get Janu, they pretty much knew Ark was just going to fly in to try and get the res because what you're creating effectively, like, you know. 1800 2000 hp if you get the res and sato would almost always kill him like mm. every time they would go for a res like on janu they punished them really well which uh i mean i thought philly was just tremendous in this series where uh, i mean oh, this dude. is why this is why i think philly is still a scary team when we get to the final four because i think they can adjust their composition without adjusting the players that much sure some yeah. other teams have to make uh, varying subs to be able also, to do that in a short amount of time. easily the best Sombra Reaper team. I didn't think I'd be saying this because Shanghai have just looked yeah. the best team in the world at playing Sombra comps the entire season long, but these Sombra comps play so differently to the others. Uh, they, the Philadelphia Fusion are definitely the best Sombra Reaper team right now. They, you know, that might change once we get to the Final Four because there's still a month left, yeah. but right now, Philly are better than any team if they end up playing this mirror. I know yeah. that they lost the mirror at some points to the Shock, but they're just... The default way that they play over time, if you played that enough, I think Philly would win because their their Summer Reaper is just so good. They're so cool. Very cool to watch. Yeah, they're very, very, very clean. Philly, uh, I mean, they're just looking so clean. I, I would hate to be a Philly fan because the feelings Your you must be going through right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is this <laughs> is the time, right? Because you've been looking for a tournament win for the longest time. And honestly, Philly have never looked better than they do currently in this moment. And they're in the final four. It's all coming down to this. These next four weeks must be so anxiety-inducing if you're a Philly fan. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, almost it went, time for the others to catch up. When yeah. they brought out that double sniper composition on King's Row, yeah, I, was I, was like, I was just like, of course. Like, what? It, spe it speaks, I can't find my words. Like when you see a composition come out like that and you just get like an epiphany and you're like, oh, this is so obvious. This makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. why not? Like, right. of, cor of course they would run double <laughs> sniper on King's Row A and then have a yeah. Sigma push around the high ground with a barrier. Like, because he has his own barrier and they can also spam. Like, it makes so much sense. Like, why, why didn't everyone they do play this? the like, Hanzo, this is, I was like, This oh. is obviously the best comp. Yeah, but, and I was just like, yeah. those <laughs> moments are just so, those moments are just so sick. 
like when you can see like the preparation coming to play everyone knows their position everyone knows the composition how it plays what they're going to do and they just executed it flawlessly yeah. snowballed like even on the second or third point and like it was beautiful to watch like the that's sick overwatch to me i love it the only thing that may burn them i think josh was kind of alluding to earlier is like uh you know the ability to play ash tracer with carpe in the game some capacity yeah. and i don't know whether like what he plays tracer or carpe uh you kind of figure out a way for i mean who else you would obviously probably want carpe and ivy in in an ideal world right if you didn't switch off of it i mean i don't think so i think you'd want to run carpe hisu like hisu's hisu better tracer he than, than I, ivy I, yeah i mean he should be i don't know whether should he is be. but but i think he should be I, I would even be tempted to run hisu on the ash and carpe on the tracer but i'm not really? i i feel like the Ash is more important, so maybe keep Carpe on that. Maybe yeah. you can run with like a bit of a passive tracer that's just designed to keep the other tracer in check. I'm not really sure. I feel like they are a little lacking in that role. Yes. This this, this was a really cool turning point in yes. the series, though, Johnny, like you were saying, because immediately you well, realize... Oh, well, Washington, this is already in the second half where Washington were forced to adapt. But Washington, normally, they just can't... They, they only play the Hogs area. So when the APAC teams pull out this comp with the Hog and the Sigma, people counter it by going uh, by going ball or by going... The NYXL was even playing some Genji if people were running double sniper on defense. NYXL um, was playing? And like, <laughs> when did that match happen? And then um, Hog Diva as well. But the Justice can't run any of those kind of slight alterations to their composition because they have a massively inflexible tank line. Yeah. So my worry is that once we get to the final four, I don't know if teams will allow Philadelphia Fusion to play the Sombra Reaper fully. Obviously, you can force it on some maps, you know, it's map dependent, whatever. Nice little cats on the podcast, love to see it. But I could totally see teams finding a strategic way to force Philly to play Ash Tracer in some capacity and then winning that head-to-head -head duel. Because I think among the four teams remaining, I mean, Fusion might be better than Soul in that regard. I think still Profit and Fitz has been really good. But I could see how teams would look to expose Fusion's strategy here. Because I think that Ash Tracer could be an incredibly important default composition to lean back on. Um, that you have to, like, as like a staple pillar composition that teams have to respect. Because otherwise they'll yeah. try to force them right. in some capacity. That's I, where I'm get worried a little bit, I guess. Yeah, and I think that Philly has to maybe compensate for their lack of incredible DPS talent there um, by playing more of the Hogsaria version of it or Hog something version. Yeah, of maybe. It. Because you... if you try and shred, if you try and win the tank battle instead and free up a bit more space for the rest of your DPS to make work there, I think that could be an option for them, especially if you're trying to run. You know, Sado Hog and Fury on whatever off tank he wants to be able yeah. to support that is a pretty good look, especially, you know, th there aren't any other teams in this top four that have specialists on those roles. We're, we're talking about, yeah. you know, Gesture Hog, which is good, but it's not like, it's not something unbelievable. You know, like Decay was unbelievably good on the Zarya. We're not talking about some freak beasts that they're going up against. Like Sado Fury can hang with any of the other top four when it comes yeah. to the Hog comps. Do you think yeah. they'll try and uh, play maybe Carpe on the Reaper some and play like Reaper Sombra with Carpe Hisu and then you could you could switch off of that, right? You, you could maybe, yeah. I just think Hisu and Ivy has shown like 
great expertise now. I'm like, if yeah. it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Yeah. Well, it I will also say... more variation, and I don't know how... Like, is, is the skill difference between Carpe and Ivy on the Reaper that... I'm not convinced I mean, you not need flexibility. Like style, right? I, I, I'm not really convinced you need flexibility. A lot of what we've seen is, fle is like different comps for certain maps. Right. But outside of... Outside of that one shock Philly game on Volskaya, where they played the Sombra Reaper at the beginning, and then they swapped over to playing the, the long-range stuff, the Tracer and the Zen, outside of that, it seems like the default for Volskaya is Tracer Ash Zen compositions, and the default for Gibraltar is Tracer Ash Zen compositions, but the default for Control is Reaper Sombra or Hog comps. Right. And Havana, you can play some Double Sniper. Like the, It seems like there aren't very map many dependent. maps where you would want to swap between the Sombra Reaper and the Tracer Ash. So I think Philly can just tactically sub people based on the map. Yeah. I will also say, I think among the four teams, maybe soul i think fusion i trust the most with coming up with unique strategies and like prep beforehand to like throw wonky stuff at their opponents i have a great faith in their coaching staff to come up with like great prepared strategies ahead of, ahead of time that could perhaps give them an advantage whereas i could see the other teams perhaps relying a bit more on what they do best i mean that's purely speculation yeah. and you guys can't really say, say anything about it because it's just speculation but yeah. i feel that way anyway so maybe yeah. we'll see Fusion at least well, have a lot of stuff prepared for the matches. I think it all just kind of comes down to which region do you feel like needs to make more adjustments going into Grand Finals week in terms yeah. of what they play and how they want to play it. Let's, uh, let's shift the discussion because I think we're diving into APAC territory a little bit here. And yeah. I want to leave that for when we're Sorry, actually diving in. One more point. Yeah, Sorry, uh, Brent, just now that we're watching Volskaya. For anyone that didn't watch this game live, you should still go back and watch it. Because even though it was a 3-0 and the Philadelphia Fusion won, this was the only map that was a roll, Volskaya. And it was kind of because the Justice realized the writing was on the wall and they had to yeah. swap the roles between... Uh, Decay and Janu, but the previous two maps were, they were close. Like, there were moments that the Justice would have been able to win the first two maps. Um, and so even though Philadelphia Fusion were clearly the better team over the course of the entire series, it wasn't until Volskaya where they really just rolled them on a map. And I think that uh, the, the Justice fans should still be very pleased with how their team performed even against a team Absolutely. that was yeah. hard you know knew exactly what they were running and had the answers even when they had all the answers to beat the justice justice still went down swinging brent uh, was so happy when this happened i well, loved all the memes actually, that came out of it. Let, let's talk about washington then and their and yeah. their, their sort of stuff because that's what i've been kind of wanting to drift over to the washington oh my god the cat just went from my fingers how <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that the uh yeah let's let's uh let's talk about it because the the justice yes i wanted them to lose in a meany way because i felt like they had kind of knocked out all the other organic storylines that we had built up over the year and this this was like the result of a rule bend yeah. i don't take the blame out on the org for abusing the rule because listen you take every advantage you can get i don't take it out on the players at uh. all it's just kind of it kind of sucked from to see that um and the more I saw the Washington Justice get beaten down, the less I wanted to see them lose. I wanted a close series. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wanted yeah. the, 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 if it, their final match to be a close series. I wanted them to actually have a good show of it. But Philly just did not give them even an in. But, I mean, we've got this title as Washington's controversial playoff run. I, it was definitely controversial because yeah. 
I, mate, I'll tell you now. I, I was getting... Um, I made that meme post of me listening to uh, the sound, the sound of, of, silence of silence while screaming when Florida lost to Washington. Yeah. And I posted it on Twitter. And I, I only have... On my tweet deck setup, I literally only see my tweets and I see the notifications from people I follow. Because it's like, that's just an easy way to just filter out just the, the noise that not normally brings negativity from social media while sure. still allowing me to post on social media. And the GM of Washington liked all of the responses from salty justice fans so they all showed up in my notifications they all showed up the justice fans like saying how unprofessional it was that the league talent was so against justice and all the rest of it of course we're gonna be fucking against you i mean this is literally like the most artificial storyline like oh. justice were the villains in this playoffs they were knocking out all these teams that have been working so, hard all season long so so i don't have an issue with the rule I don't even have an issue with them picking up Decay. I I think uh, just the way the the patch and the meta flipped everything is what allowed it to happen. Right? I mean, it was it was a, it was the like, perfect storm. Like it was the, like, uh, the playoff patch came through that allowed them to play this yeah. weird comp. They had a player from Europe that they were never going to field anyway, Lolsish, that they could replace with the rules so that they could bend the yeah. rule into their favor. They ended up doing you, that, so they you, got Decay. Decay had to have fallen out of his team for that to even be a yeah. possibility in the first place. It's the perfect storm. And, two weeks. And they found a comp where everybody yeah. could play their best roles. Yeah. And Tuber and Stitch fucking installed cheats on their mouse or something. <laughs> I don't know what they did. Like, they, they, uh, they just elevated their gameplay. Yeah, two weeks before the playoffs, if you went to the Washington Justice and said, hey, write you a script that gets you to third, how does that happen? They wouldn't they, be able to they do couldn't, They couldn't even come up with something like this. That like, oh, there'd be this massive balance patch that like Roadhog is now the go-to main tank and you can play it with Zarya. Uh, and speaking to, because uh, I, I was curious of why teams didn't come out and try and like mirror them earlier. And I guess it what just kind of came down to that everybody hedged their bets on other types of comps. Washington yeah. probably wasn't scrimming anybody that good because you're not going to waste your time scrimming the 12 seed if you're one of the better teams in NA. Uh, Washington was just beaten up on everybody with this comp. Nobody knew about it. And then teams did not want to waste practice time uh, trying to counter it or learn it right. when they had already invested so much time into other things. Uh, so I, I, think, uh, I, I think if you're a Justice fan, you have a lot to look forward to, right? I think uh, if, you, if you get like maybe an upgrade in the main tank role, the, the, I think you right. probably... You probably have some like uh, you know additions in terms of support. The worst the thing, though, wait a fucking second. The man. worst thing to come out of this uh, is that they rest on their laurels and think ah one or two upgrades and we're fine for uh, next they year. They run it back, bro. No way, bro. You're you are gonna get twelfth uh, again. This happened last year, man. They went on with that who? run in stage four uh, yeah, and they were like, yeah. oh, it would be all right yeah. if they try and do that, that shit again. Too. You need a self-awareness here. Come on, guys. Don't be... Yeah, don't be but I don't know whether... It's very hard to have that level of self-awareness within the system. This is a very common human thing, is that... Because, because from their point of view, they worked really hard to get this, right? And they, they feel like they put in extra effort when Decay was signed, all of this shit came together, and by virtue of their own hard work, they have managed to put together this run. It's very difficult to analyze 
when you're experiencing luck, the amount, the the percentage factor that luck has to do with anything. Like it's hard for for any of us to be able to factor in how much luck happened for us to be casters for the Overwatch League, for example. Sure. Like if you asked any of us, we'd be like, yeah, well, this is what I did. I I worked hard here. I spoke to this person here. Like I networked up my way this way. Like you wouldn't say that the like external factors <laughs> were the main reason. Fucking, so I the think he leaves all lined up, bro. And you just, <laughs> yeah, fucking... <laughs> but, but that's, I mean, it's, it's hard yourself. when you've experienced the luck to be able to attribute a large portion of it to that. But factor. this one is so obvious. This one's so obvious, obvious to us on the outside. They've been molding Honestly, above more for like over yeah. half a year. And now they let him be like assistant coach while this matter is going on. And then you also just like have Ark popping off on Mercy again, yep. and you're like, well, you say, know, Johnny, popping off on Mercy, we can probably deal with this Lucio too. I it's like it would be next level ignorance for them to just no, like I will completely say, ignore what they've done for eight months now. They, <laughs> you say this, Johnny, next level ignorance, but <laughs> like the, the the reaction from the staff at the, the Washington Justice and the players themselves they are fully in belief and trust me this is it goes both ways they had to work very hard obviously to get to the point that they, they were at a lot of people yeah. were writing off this comment they were like oh it looks like my gold games i'm like your gold games do not look like this this is no. a well-oiled machine that is yeah. perfectly executing a specific comp that no one can really stand up to they, it was the, the washington justice looked good they were easily a top four team when they were playing in the playoffs but from the staff i am worried about this attitude this pervasive attitude of like it was all us that got us to this point, you know. Yes, we took advantage of this, Is that, that or the, the other. I think, I think, given the extreme whiplash backlash that the Washington Justice staff like went to, the fact that they were like subtweet liking a bunch of well, the fucking molding fans I at mean, me. Uh, look, I, like, that's well, the kind of impression I'm getting. happy that their team is successful for the first time in yes. two years. They spent yeah. millions of dollars buying into the no. league. They've been absolute shite. And for the first time, people <laughs> enjoy talking about this team. They're probably over the moon. They're yeah, like, they, someone cares. Someone they, cares at last. And, and here and we they, are. They didn't break any rule to do it. They just got super lucky at every possible point you could get lucky. And, like, not even get lucky and, like, oh, you know, it worked out, like, in our favor. Like, no, they got lucky to the point where, like, it worked out badly for everybody but them. Like, that's how, <laughs> like, 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 that's how lucky they got consistently. Well, here's, uh, uh, Albert, here's Mayhem molding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, after, like, yeah, he's cooled down, simmered down a little bit after being knocked out by the Washington rule breakers, as I put it. Uh, and, and he's wrote uh, a couple of these essays up here saying, like, he doesn't blame the team. Reasonable. He thinks that the, the, the team played very well. Reasonable. I think he, what is he, he places the issue with, with, the, with the league itself. The meta, with the sub, sorry, not the meta, the sub rule and the playoff format that, right. you know, the, the, fact the emergency the, sub rule. But, but here's the thing. Like, the, it's very easy to say, oh, the, the teams are, because I think Albert's is a very normal reaction. You don't want to blame people. You want to blame systems. But yeah. the issue is that in this, in this instance, I don't think the system no. worked in a bad way. No. For example, Albert says that, the emergency sub signing was in the event someone couldn't travel to the final four. That's the way that I read it. I believe that's the way that the rule was intended as well. But you can't announce the rule once the final four well, has been selected yeah. because then you only have a month. Like the logistics uh, required to get people over to Korea yeah. require much more than a month's notice to implement yes. a rule like uh, this. And I saw and I saw somebody uh, uh, say like, "Well, why couldn't they sign a sub but not use him?" 
Uh, you only use him if he gets to the final four, something right, like that. Right, but that does not make any sense because let's say for argument's sake, the Paris Eternal uh, Ben Best was ineligible to travel, right? They sign a main tank who plays Reinhardt, right? Should they then be penalized of not being able to make the substitutions they made all season long between No Smite and Ben Best because Ben Best can't travel and now they have a new guy? Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't I mean, penalize I so. them for that. No, they should be able to make the substitutions they've made all year long. Yeah. By the way, like, people would... always bring up, like, Ben Bears, Paris, like, these Western players. It's also if players refuse to travel for very valid health reasons. Yeah. You don't know which, like, even Korean players might have some health issue where they don't want to be going to airports right now in case they catch COVID. That's right. a very real scenario that could have happened. So, so and, to... by the way, would have been really reasonable for the player to say yes. that. Because so to... shit's weird out there. So to penalize the rest of the team and put more emphasis like on the player like the you would you'd kind of like make the player like a scapegoat for everybody right and then not being able to play the new player doesn't make any sense uh yeah. so i, I mean i think I, yeah sorry johnny go ahead i just wanted to say like i mean it's such a the opposite of a perfect storm that it's like it's uh, to me personally it's not worth like getting upset about i, I completely oh. understand the teams the organizations the players who feel this frustration with the situation at hand but it's literally like covid uh, made this sort of happen and then we also had a big meta shift and it just happened to be all of the comfort heroes of the washington justice uh, like it won't it won't repeat again let me finish man and then as well <laughs> you have the fact that the only real thing you could change moving forward would be the meta issue because yes. this has happened that's yeah. the only thing i think you can reasonably complain oh. about is how we have big major patch changes before playoffs it has happened ever since 2016 and we've molded about it since 2016. Yeah, but at the same time, I can also understand where the developers are coming from. Like, hey, you know, we've had this, you know, meta now for about six months, and you know, we want to change it up. It's the playoffs. You know, I, I come, kind of understand that, but it's just so happened that this one was a Roadhog Saria composition. Like, how can you, you know, it's you know, it's unfortunate, but I can understand where players and organizations come from. I think if you want to be upset about anything, it is the meta shifts before big playoffs like this. You know, would have uh, not allowed this to happen hero pools or hero bands this would not have been a thing <laughs> what do you mean hero pools would have because fuck no what hero shut up no i don't want to i don't want to talk had, about hero pools if ever you had again a hero if you had hero bands or if you had hero, hero pools no i don't want to talk about this i don't you would I, no you i'm hero, so fed up if there was any argument for hero bands this would be it this yeah. would not have been able to be a thing yeah. If 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 each team was uh, allowed to let's say ban a hero or whatnot, and you kind of took the same thing as hero pools, this could not have occurred. Fuck, you know. As soon as teams saw decay in the main tank role, they would have just banned like Roadhog or banned like Zarya. Is that a good thing though? I mean, I, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I am in favor of this uh, hero bans argument. A lot of people have talked about it in the past before. I think it's strategic. It's great. It's a good way of uh, making things fresh. But the the counter argument is always, and I think it's very valuable, va uh, valid in this situation as well, is that. Hero bands like that stop cool things from happening too. Yes, like this shoot. run was cool. Like this run, yeah. it was scary at the yeah. time. It was <laughs> weird. It was. I was not a fan. If the justice, if the justice had actually knocked out one of the top teams and then just yeah. been hard counted in the final four, that would have been just such Pass. a bad end to the season. Like yep. so terrible. But the run that we actually got with inarguably the best two teams making it to North America and Justice going on this crazy Cinderella run and making it to third yep. place. That was cool shit. And Hero Real Bands cool. would have would have yep. fixed it, but also fixed it in the same way that you fix a cap by never right. letting them ever... Can you imagine the amount of Sombra Reaper 
we would have watched. We would have watched so much Sombra Reaper if it wasn't for the Washington oh, Justice. Yeah. So in many ways, they were also sort of like, not the, like if the antagonist was the Sombra Reaper, the Washington Justice were actually like saving the playoffs by running uh, something different than Sombra Reaper. Because that brawl comp, man, like I can't watch. I can only watch like two hours of it a day. Otherwise, my brain just like turns off. Everybody I know who's like outside of like the Overwatch kind of bubble, they actually were super excited and loved watching the Justice games because you didn't get two teams playing the same exact things just yeah, running yeah. at each other. Uh, I, 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 I was a fan of it. I would have felt bad if they beat Philly, but I also, at that point, if they beat Philly, I'm like, okay, I want to see how, how far they can take it. Uh, I think the argument is, is for other teams that end up losing is we did see Philly beat it, although they had some time to come up with counters and play it well. Not that much time, though. Not that much time. Uh, And we saw the Shock beat it when nobody had any time. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, that would be your argument, like, against, like, oh, well, we kind of feel slighted. Like, well, we did see, like, other teams beat it uh, without mirroring it. They they played what they kind of do play. I mean, the Shock played some... uh, uh, Zen, and then you also had Philly kind of play some Roadhog tile comps, but they were able to defeat it. It wasn't like it was something that was unbeatable. Uh, I think it's just very odd that a team that finishes tw- like everything about it's odd. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was also look, incredibly man. controversial. Go on, Johnny. I just wanted to say, like, we all we all know that Mexican Coke is superior, but corn syrup wasn't so bad this time around. So, you know, we just gotta uh, <laughs> deal with it. That is it. a very weird analogy. You're yeah. saying that are you saying the Washington Justice causes diabetes? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't speaking about the medical consequences. I was speaking about the organic source of the actual sweetener okay. within the drink. Okay, yeah. okay, very meta, very That's meta. A, well, no, I have to explain the joke, so I mean... I quite, I guess yeah. yeah, I quite oh, like that. It went over my head as well, but um, thank you for explaining. This, this run was even more controversial, though, because not only did they sign somebody that was... Uh, you know, it was like a bending of a rule to a lot of people's mind, but the player that they signed was also controversial as well. So now you've got like Crimzo and Doha tweeting, you know, a big back and forth, not tweeting at each other either, but like Crimzo has been tweeting a bunch in the last week um, about his first tweet was, yeah, well, he provided some follow-up tweets that went under the radar, which is why I bring it up now because his original tweet got, like 6k likes people loved it it was so juicy losing to the person that held your team hostage for months in scrims because he was unhappy really hits different and it's like wow you know like just unleashing the fucking drama (laughs) and even better decay played into it he played into it as well where like we had those comments where like an interview asked like "Uh, well you know do you care like about your backline and stuff and it's like no i let them die Oh, no, yeah. I, don't think was, I don't think that was a literal translation, was it? Oh, I think Adam Chun yeah. was making a joke there. Oh, it was a joke. Here I, here I was expecting formal, factual translation, and it was a joke. Yeah, oh, well. It was a joke. I'm not <laughs> but, oh, no. But yeah, it was so good. Crimson followed up, though. Crimson what, followed what up say? by saying, because Doha tweeted something like, um, Decay, was, Decay was not in the wrong, yada, yada. And obviously, oh, yeah. this... The, like the whole reason that Decay was uh, was holding the team hostage is unknown and is unknowable unless you were not just inside the team but like probably a Korean player or a Korean member of staff <laughs> inside the team as well because it's got to be something to do with with that kind of aspect of it and and so Crimson followed up by saying most situations are not as black as white black and white as people think there's multiple sides to a story etc cetera, etc cetera. it's been incredibly uh, stressful for myself. 
um and i'm sure it has been for others as well and he he's saying that basically he believes that decay was acting complete this is his quote completely disrespectfully and selfishly in his eyes but that there that he doesn't know what happened behind the scenes to cause that issue so he mm. he believes that like the way that decay reacted was really disrespectful and selfish like holding the team hostage refusing to participate in scrims soft throwing this kind of shit but he doesn't really know why like decay felt yeah. that way uh, so it's hard to really measure like, up uh, it's hard like to Dallas fuel it sounds like Dallas Fuel got some internal communication problems between the Korean players and the Western players. That's weird. No, that's crazy. That never happens. That's never happened before, especially with Dallas. Dallas had normally been quite good. Could you imagine wow. just being on Dallas and like, you know, Decay just shows up though, the practice facilities in pajamas every day, loading up fall guys, like, oh, F you guys, I'm just going to hang out. And then, and then he gets, and then he gets uh, sent away and you're like, oh man, thank God we got rid of that problem, whatever. And then you see him get picked up by the justice. You're like, ha ha, he's on the justice. That uh, <laughs> sucks for him. And then the justice is just going to go on a run playing <laughs> Roadhog Zoria all the way through. Oh, man. That yeah, is that, brutal. That's what's up. I feel bad but that is, guys on us. That is a very good like point that you brought up, Joe Josh, is that I think we need to... It's very easy for us as outside spectators looking in, even as, uh, as much as we have some you know, internal information and whatnot, but the people looking outside in as well to not jump to these radical conclusions based yeah. on it. It's yeah. always a little bit gray. It's not just black. It's not just white. There's always multiple sides to a story. Um, and you got to consider every single uh, faculty of it. It's like with, with this entire conversation topic, what we've talked about, like we can blame the system for the Washington being able to go on this run, or you can look on the sides that the system needed to be in place. Otherwise, honestly, the season would have been kind of whack because it COVID kind of fucked everything up. Like it, everything happens for a reason. Positives and negatives <laughs> for everything, you know. I mean, God, you zen that, motherfucker. <laughs> this is also like why I molded out on Twitter about predictions, like the last day off. It's like there's always you know context and a gray area to explain a thing or two. Because that Reddit post was up about everyone predicting the fusion against the shock. And like what, you what know, it was, was a Reddit so, post. It was a post on Reddit where they were literally like like you know moments before disaster because literally yeah. almost every analyst in overwatch predicted the fusion over shock yeah. and so you know there was this funny joke it's like hey everyone predicted the fusion but you know the shock ended up winning but then you know mistake of my life started digging in the comments in oh, reddit no. and it's literally like oh, oh the fusion you know should have never been favored in the first place it was so obvious that shock well, was always okay. the better team people are just dumb and it's like and it was just like, oh, well, you know, like they always talk shit about the shock. They have two expectations of the shock. You know, they're always supposed to be this, you know, giant, supposed to three year opponents all yeah. the time. And it's like, no, dude, like if you watch the fucking plat chat episode, you would see that we clearly said there was like a 55 45 matchup that everyone just slightly, ever so slightly predicted the fusion over the shock. And we actually gave credit to the shock and we're like, Nope, this graphic is misrepresenting. Yeah. Actually, this is way closer yeah, but you, than it actually shows in the graphic. And these, you're expecting I people to not jump to conclusions? Like, uh, the thing, you, the, part of the reason why I stopped reading these comments as well is because people have ulterior motives when they're making these comments, Johnny. Like, most of the people who make these comments are just jealous, right? They're like, they're, they're looking in yeah. from this position. They're, yeah. they're armchair analysts. They want to be in the position that we're in right now. 
uh, as, as every voices team of in the reason. Overwatch League thinks that they are like the enemy. Uh, they think that they're like the, the special team that everyone riles against. No, you're all the same. Well, this is you why just you care have about to, your team. You have to create your minds like me and Josh, just steal fortresses that can't be <laughs> penetrated. <laughs> I used to think I used to think my mind was a steel fortress, but you know, even steel erodes in time. Well, just just steel. fucking add more steel to it. I don't know. Add more steel to <laughs> so it. Build it back up. Just fucking order uh, some WD-40, you damn cat. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just. Uh, what do you do? You weld it, right? You, you just weld, you weld it back it. together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, people, people. Sorry, uh, I have them all. No, that's fine. They they love to be right after after the fact. Of course, right? anyone uh, fucking well, hindsight they, can make yeah. a claim like, oh, well, they should have been favored. Well, no, hey. actually, uh, fucking uh, Billy Basketball <laughs> 1998. Billy Basketball. This, this is not the case, bro. Hindsight, anybody can fucking say that. But I in the moment, hey, in the moment, the Philly looked like <laughs> the better team, bro. Yeah. Like, you've actually, actually adjusted, through osmosis, I am annoyed now. <laughs> Philly had just 3-0'd uh, them. They were 3 0 everybody on their side of the bracket. And they looked clean. The Justice had, the Justice had just taken the shock to game five. Yes. Uh, they had looked super clean. Who would you have taken, uh, general population out there? Uh, I would love for somebody to be like, oh, yeah, the shock. Well, why? Oh, because they're better. Oh, well, what happened? But, oh, but they just but they just lost some running these compositions. Why do you think they're better? Oh, I think they're just better. Like, oh, that's a, that's a oh, that's we really cool. We hate the San Francisco shock. Yeah. Fuck the San Francisco shock for some reason. Hey. Talking oh. about talking about this like idea as well and relating it back to Washington. The Washington Valiant game was one of the first really interesting games this week, and it was so funny to see people in the first map when the Valiant destroyed the Justice. Do you yeah. remember yeah. that first map on Busan? Yeah load of people just started tweeting like i knew this would happen so easy this comment yeah. like, give it a week and it'll get slaughtered and then the justice come back in the series as soon as they swap over to the the zen themselves and it's just so hard for dreamer to do anything on winston yeah. and, and and suddenly all of these tweets dry up as they just see the the match go the other way it's yeah i think i think it was um a kick tripod from the tactical crouch podcast that said the first map of control is not important unless it's the team I want to win, and then it's a very important yeah. first map win. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a great way of how everybody thinks about the series. If, yeah. if, you, if it's the team you want to win, you think that first map, you're like, oh, man, what a great start for this series. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's the team you want to win that loses, you're like, oh, no, just shake it off. It's fine. Min-map adaptation is easy. Easy. Just go next. Go next. Yeah. What you got to think about? All right, let's let's shift the conversation again then, because I want to talk now. I, I'm trying to think: Do we want to talk about this now or after we've discussed APAC? Because mm. I feel like it would be good to discuss. Uh, so the, the topic is: How confident are we in the North American teams? I'm thinking: Is this better once we've actually assessed the APAC region? And I think so. Yeah, we're going to compare yeah. them because we're going to make comparisons, right? So let's instead let's review the APAC region, and then we can actually have the discussion points of, of both of them and we can review both of them. So let's let's all review right. APAC instead. And we'll first of all, we're going to talk about Shanghai versus Seoul that happened. These matches in APAC were mm. eye-opening for me because it's the first time oh. in a while that I've paid close attention to APAC and I've still got my inherent biases from when I was casting a lot of APAC. And uh, I knew for a while that APAC was probably weaker than North America, but I expected that the meta that we were in to really be good for APAC. And it it wasn't. It was a little bit chaotic. It was a little bit scrappy. Bro. And this match in particular, I think, opened my eyes to the fact that I was like, 
I, I mean, APAC is not as strong as people no. are making out. This match, if you are if you are looking for hope as a North American Overwatch fan, watch this one <sighs> and then watch New York vs. Seoul. And you're like, you know what? We may have a chance. I don't know if you have a chance against Shanghai. I think Shanghai is still that good. But man, I mean, we're the a the APAC game seems all over the place in terms of just like it wasn't even like uh, you saw bad play. It was just the coordination was just like it was yeah. all over the place, man. It's definitely off. I mean, you can the 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 thing is as well, Brian. When you say about like people overrating the APAC teams. I think that people tend to miss a lot of the nuance in this discussion because the APAC teams, I think, have been ahead in various times throughout the year, but yeah. definitely not in the summer showdown. The NA teams, the top three NA teams yep. playing the Genji were a lot better than the APAC teams at that time. And, and I think this is another instance where the top NA teams, the top three NA teams, seem to be ahead of everyone maybe other than Shanghai. Because the uh, and but the weird part about that is that I think just Justice's comp would have been exposed much earlier in APAC because people were playing double sniper and playing the yeah, hog yeah. sigma kind of comps. Yeah. But because that was never something that uh, the NA teams had even experimented with, the the two metas went in very different directions. But I think something that that has done is that the NA teams coordination with Sombra Reaper and we say NA teams, I mean mostly that's Philly. But you look a little bit further down as well at the Valiant and Mayhem, they were also pretty good with that comp, is significantly better than the APAC teams. I don't know whether that's going to have any effect in the actual overall meta that we end up playing in the in the uh, final four, but the Shanghai tried to run Sombra Reaper against Seoul, and they just failed completely. The difference was night and day between watching Shanghai play it and Philly play it. Uh, and I also wonder how... Uh, to what quality Shanghai can play hog compositions going forward. Uh, they looked pretty I, good. I, I think they did. I, I think uh, I would expect the Shock to have some kind of look with it. Uh, Philly, I think Sato look, uh, it can play the hog at a pretty high level. Who was, uh, who was talking? I think it was you, Josh. You were talking to somebody and they were saying that uh, Sato has like a top, as uh, a top 500 DPS or something like top that. Top 20 DPS. Top 20 DPS. Yeah, Sato's got uh, a top 20 DPS account, and apparently yeah. when they did, the Philadelphia Fusion did a video where they did an aim labs test, <laughs> and Carpe got like 87% in some flick aiming or something like that, that was the highest on the team, apart from Sato, who got 95% in it, <laughs> which yeah. doesn't always translate, obviously. Well, the flicking is, yeah. I, it's I, not I, a I bad use, start, though. It's not a I bad use a lot of, start. I use a lot of aim labs, and I can say if you sometimes you can get good RNG on a run, and you can get uh, some unreal stuff. Like I hold, I was like the 72 in the world for tracking mm. at some point on aim labs, which would tell you sometimes, but that was like a pure, very good RNG run because mm. the various yeah. challenges that they run, sometimes they, uh, you just get easy ones where it will just be a huge ball that's slowly moving. If you get multiple of those in a row, it's very easy to get high tracking. Same with flicking if you get a lot of group targets. Anyway, that's my point. Also, just, I uh, don't really think you know, this might th this is going to probably be my hottest take of the the show, but I don't necessarily think that we're going to see a ton of like Roadhog Star compositions. I think that most of these teams are very comfortable either playing like Sombra Reaper, Ash Tracer, or just defaulting to Double Sniper or like Roadhog Sigma comps to counter it uh, if they happen to run into it. So I don't so necessarily think so. Well, you're saying specifically Roadhog Zarya? Yeah, like the Washington comp. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't necessarily think. 
I think we'll see Shanghai try to counter it. Seoul obviously knows how to play that type of composition. Um, Shock will, you know, I've studied up and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that teams will get away with playing like a Washington-esque composition in the top four. But if, you're, but if, you're, if the team that you're playing against isn't playing double sniper, if they're playing, for example, the Ash Tracer with the Winston Diva, you can play Ash Tracer with a with a Hog Zarya or a Hog oh, yeah. Diva, and it's wild. Like it's so good to be able to have that in your back pocket. It there are maps where it just requires you to mirror the Hog. You are going to see a ton of hog. win against the Winston. I yeah, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Hog. I don't know necessarily whether we're going to see a team play like the Justice, but I think the Hog is unavoidable. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a yeah, ton hog, of yeah. Hog Diva, Hog Sigma, Hog Zarya. I All think. as well, maybe as well, because some of the APAC teams have been playing that a little bit. Yeah. All's been playing that because uh, it's really good at disrupting the dive counter. There is yeah. a month. Like, there will be some shit being played. Like, we're going to see some cheesy strats come out. I guarantee it. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, especially considering the APAC teams have longer to prep for in the conditions that they've already been playing on this entire I season. I thought about this. Yeah. Sorry, do you want to go on, Matt? No, no, I was going to ask a question to you guys. Have you guys heard uh, anything about when the NA teams are going to leave and travel and how much That's what I, mean, I was going to say. It's should. like, why wouldn't you just go now? If why I was yeah, planning I a, today? Yeah, if I was in the top four, I would be on a flight right now. Because the, exactly. the sooner you get into that quarantine, the sooner it's going to be over the whole time you have to prep. Because the quarantine for some of the Western players, if you're Korean, I, I think they're playing it in Korea, right? The the top, the grand finals? I think so. I don't know. You would have I to guess. assume, Frank, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's the easiest place to get into, although Korea but, currently is having a second spike. So I think this is announced, guys. Yeah, maybe well, it is. But, but also the teams might not want to go immediately because why you need some time to set up logistics to help your players practice in quarantine. Yes. Like logistics you might should need have already time been to be able up, to, in my That's opinion, true. like it should I mean, have already you, been planned. Like you, yes, you, I you, mean, I agree that they should have already been prepping, especially if you're a top two team, but at the same time, like you don't want to spend uh, possibly, I, I don't know how much it's going to be, but you might be looking to spend here tens of thousands of dollars on new small PCs to take in Pelican boxes or some yeah. shit that might be an expense that you didn't want to do if you weren't going to have to travel. I, I don't I don't exactly know, but I can imagine there might be some logistics issue that delays you for a few days because you want yeah. good uh, setups when you're actually uh, in quarantine. Yeah. Speaking from a pro player experience, though, I do think that the extra, like, the extra bump you have before going to matches, like when you are situated in the country they're going to play in, I think that is massive. Like, I, th I would almost take a small hit during quarantine for playing conditions just to, like, get out earlier. And then you can spend that time, like, prepping, like, watching VODs, talking about strategy, mm. you know, get over that. Yeah. Because then when you get out of quarantine, like, oh, my God, it, you, as, it, yeah. you're going to feel, feel like so much better. You're going to yeah. feel so much better quarantine going into is rough. like, an extra week to prepare. The quarantine is rough if you are not a Korean citizen or if you have a place to go to in Korea. Like, if you are a Korean resident and you have a home and you can prove that as your home, you can quarantine there, which makes it much easier. But the Korean player is probably not going to be struggling that much. But, for for example, Moff, Super, if they're going to be going over there, people like Funny Astro, You when you touch down, the process is, because I was speaking to and I watched Wolf's videos when he went through the same thing, uh, the process is, when you touch down, you immediately get escorted, essentially. Escorted instantly from the plane. If you cannot prove that you have an address to go to, like a permanent address where you live on a regular basis, you go straight into quarantine, into the hotel. And then it's like a whole procedure. And then you're locked in there for two weeks, no matter what. And you have to regularly Damn. report your temperature, things like this. 
Um, I don't know if you can get things sent to you, which means that there is some logistics. Like if they want to be practicing in quarantine, they need to be able to bring a Pelican case full of stuff because there's no limit with the amount of bags you can bring. You can bring, if you wanted to do four bags, you just need to be able to carry them essentially. Um, yeah. so, so it is possible like you can set up and because uh, Wolf and Seth had their broadcast set up in quarantine. They mm. casted the show match between, it was like, Runaway I think Wolf was actually night. casting these playoff games from quarantine because he mentioned it on the broadcast that he was still going through it. That's in his current house. Oh, uh, yeah. right. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> but yeah, he, because they didn't know if the internet was going to be good enough to play in these places, but turns out South Korea, amazing internet. Apparently it's just 100 up, 100 down wherever you are uh, in, yeah. the, in the hotels. Yeah. So yeah, the but but the point is it's it's going to be hard. It's a lot of logistics right in place uh, for for these teams and the APAC teams to get back to the original point because that's what we're talking about. They're not going to have to go for that entire kerfuffle. They can continue as normal and now they can start prepping right now. Whereas the NA teams are going to be delayed in doing so. So within these three weeks right now, I. My personal opinion is that Asia, I think, looks behind a little bit in terms of coordination and their understanding of the meta compared to North America. But that could easily flip on its head based on the conditions that the North American teams have to go through. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And talking about the meta, because that was our conversation previously too, that you said that in a month we could see some really weird shit, some wonky stuff come out. And that was actually the narrative throughout this Shanghai Seoul game that Wolf was talking about, because what <laughs> happened was we got to Hanamura, which was map three, and it's 1-1, and the Shanghai Dragons got kind of rolled on the defense. They had only been running Winston Diva comps up until this point. They tried to run some uh, Sombra kind of stuff. They tried to run some Tracer Ash. And then I think it got to the second half of Hanamura. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the fourth map even, actually. Yeah, actually, I think it was. It was the fourth map. It was Havana. And they pulled out the Hog. They played Hog Sigma and they played uh, Double Sniper. Uh, and then they continued for the rest of the series from behind 2-1 to win 3-2, running uh, Hog compositions with then running some uh, Reinhardt on Li Zhang as well. Uh, but they, the, what Wolf believed was that Seoul had pushed them to the brink where they were forced to show their hog compositions. Like they didn't really want teams to be prepping against them running hog. Now, I don't know yeah. whether I really believe this because Shanghai had shown some hog compositions earlier on in the playoffs when they played against New York, but that was only for maybe one map. It might have been two maps, but I think it was only one map at the very beginning upper semifinals. Um, Shanghai had shown that they could play hog, but I, I, I'm not sure whether this was a mid-match adaptation from Shanghai or whether Wolf's right and they just wanted to try and beat them and not show all of the strats that they had. Could be. Yeah, I mean, it's we don't know, right? We're just speculating. Yeah, it's, we don't know. Yeah. A lot of speculation on our part for but, this. I mean, but either way, Shanghai have got a load of looks that they could throw at you. Yeah. Yeah. And so does Seoul. Let, let's, you know, yeah, but, let's talk then, actually, okay, a little bit more about Seoul, but let's talk about the, uh, the Seoul-New York match. Oh, uh, that my, happened. my God, I was watching this and Josh, we were watching late at night and we were live <laughs> tweeting the exact same shit at the same time because it was just an absolute mess, uh, wasn't it? It really was. We it's all so disappointed. I'm not going to say I called it, but I did call it. Well, what with it, the original statement? Yeah. The t-shirt. Uh, I just knew like that there wasn't going to be adaptations in place and they were just right. going to but all they did, all New York did in this playoffs. I don't care, you know, if there's fans watching the podcast, I don't care. The only thing they really did was lean back on Mono Winston and Sabi oh. will be Tracer. 
And that's but, but they didn't they, even do Simeon no, this match. That's they didn't what didn't do it. So much. No, in the playoffs. Yeah, I know, but that's that's what annoyed me is that New York's natural style that they've been playing for a lot of the other playoffs is fuck it, we'll throw Sabiobi on Tracer, we'll have Nene on the Ash, and we'll just put Jonak on Zed, right? <laughs> and that is like good against Soul. That is kind of what you want to be. Did the opposite. For. And New York actively opted to go against the countercom to Soul. They actively tried insane. to play Haxel on Sombra, which isn't as good as the Tracer. Well, Haxel on Genji. And Jonak on the Anna, which is not as good. Uh, yeah. Or the Haxel Genji. Yeah. They were bringing out as well. The Haxel Genji they brought out sometimes to counter the double sniper, which I didn't hate, but then they often pulled it out with like Genji Ash, which is what the Mayhem did. And it's garbage against these comms. It was such a frustrating, so frustrating. match to watch. Yeah. Such a frustrating <laughs> match to watch. Because you know how hurt the New York fans are. You know yeah. that they have been hurt like this before in playoff scenarios. So Every at the same time. time, I'm wishing, I'm like, just don't hurt them anymore. Just get the win. Just adapt on the fly. Yeah. You know, just actually play what you were comfortable with the entire season long and they close it out, New York. <laughs> they went backwards. Yeah, yeah. they actually went and backwards. Like they haven't done that before. Like this is... No. In year one... They didn't have a great read on the meta. You know, Jonak tried to force the Zen, but it's all right, right? You're a dominant team during the regular season. If you think you're good enough to be able to force a meta that no one else is playing, at that point, like, all right, that was a mistake, but I can see the reasoning behind it. In year two, <laughs> they send the Vancouver Titans to like seven maps or something. It was a really close game when New York actually looked like they had fire. Uh, and then in this year, they plank. Bro, I mean, if they actively go against the countercoms that they like, have yeah. been playing. It, this was Dude, so I, I, seeing them when I heard was so bad. When I heard that you know there was going to be a big patch change before the playoffs, I just had this picture of my head of like Sabi all be playing Doomfist in like the main melee, and I'm just <laughs> like, like no, this ain't it, Excelsior. Uh, so Sorry. I, I, the, the worst thing about this as well is that Soul, I don't think we're playing that well either. I no. was watching them and I, Gesture, I've got a personal theory, by the way, that I've already told Josh about. And I don't know. Do you remember this, Josh, what I was talking about? <laughs> I, I've got a personal theory as to why Soul, uh, in particular Gesture, why Soul as well, they just seem to turn up a lot in playoffs, right? It's kind of weird, this team. Like, any team that has gesture on just seems to perform well in playoffs or have this, like, sign of life almost, like, that they might turn it up at any uh, given moment. Profit too, you know, mind you. Sure, well, sure. You know. <laughs> but here's, here's my personal theory, like, outside the fact. Because I was watching this and I was like, God, Gesture's like, Gesture's just playing like an absolute mad bastard. He's going on so many flanks. <laughs> he's getting away with murder. He was just flanking all the time, playing like, and he was never he's being punished because, because New York weren't show. running like a Zen or anything. They couldn't punish him. They couldn't just slap a Discord orb on him. So my personal theory is that everybody knows that Gesture is a flashy guy, right? Like he spends yeah. a lot of money on designer clothes. He's he's always got the the Balenciaga. <laughs> he the, was wearing the, the chains. The chains. Did you see what the chains in the match? The chains. Yeah. yeah. He's always got the he's he's got the ice, you know, around his neck, and he's wearing the designer clothes at all time. You ever go out with I've him? I've also already owns a flower shop, but you know, I yeah. I mean, that. this is outside of my flower shop theory because here's where this is get interesting, and I think there's some credit to this to this. This Look idea. at the player cam here, Kurt. Look at let the player cams yeah. come up. I think he's wearing a chain here. I think he's wearing a chain. Oh, oh no, he goes oh. back to Seth and Wolf. Anyway, Never mind. Uh, the, the the point I'm making is very flashy. Spends a lot of his money on designer clothes, right? On the look, on looking just like an absolute yeah. swag G. Uh, my theory is that gesture knows. All right, my my personal yeah. Here he is with the chain, right? Here's with the chain. 
my theory is that gesture has now this is a little bit rude to speculate on somebody's financials but i have a feeling that he is literally operating at zero i don't think he has any savings i think he spends everything on designer clothes so when the playoffs rolls around he is not only motivated motivated by his own desire to win but he is motivated for holy fuck i must win this or else i cannot survive yeah i think that he is motivated for the bag and like because you always see him going these crazy runs man you always see him and like you see gesture i mean gesture you know he's he's a swaggy dude he buys the designer clothes he's always got the chain this is my theory as i was watching as i was like he always turns up in playoffs and i think it's because <laughs> he's got this extra thing pushing him forward to get that back why do your theories always about gesture? Like, you, yeah. you now believe that yeah. he's powered by fiscal irresponsibility. <laughs> you, you think that his determination to win is, is a factor of his inability to save money? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, he could be. Here's he could, where I go. Listen, it's a little bit in jest. He probably does save his money. He's probably, you know, reasonably responsible. I don't want to start this rumor that, you know, is gesture going to be bankrupt in 2021? <laughs> I don't want ESPN running with that fucking news story. It's a little, it's a little bit in jest. It's, it's obviously satirical in nature. But wouldn't it be funny? I mean, you've had drinks with the guy. You're close friends, you know. I mean, I'm not close friends. I've definitely drank with him. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm not messaging him in Korean Shares now. Because yeah. every time we meet up for drinks, there's always the language barriers, which you think would be quite weird, but we just scream at each other. Well, we, you, we, I mean, you guys do a pretty good job of actually navigating through that because, you know, the, yeah. the time we're not going to delve into it, but the times we do hang out, it's, you know, you, you make it work somehow. You make it work <laughs> make and it you work. have shared laughs and have a giggle. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it, 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 but that's my, uh, my, that's my personal... He's never bought me around, though. He's never what? bought me around. Never bought big, you around? Playoffs. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I feel bad for New York because, like, I, I feel like they always... They're always right there, and it just seems like they always just beef it. Like at, at this, this point, one, I think it's funny. I think it's is this one this more of like a coaching kind of like like not having the right answers or yes, I think uh, absolutely I, yes is the answer to this. Yeah. I, I saw Brent tweet something like, "I have never felt like I could coach a top four Overwatch league more in my." Uh, That's how I felt watching it. More, more, team more in my life, yeah. yeah. And McGravy responded to one of those tweets with like, imagine how bad it feels as a player that knows how the game is supposed to be played, watching these guys. Like yeah. the Valiant have already been uh, knocked out and they're watching New York just fumble around as a potential team that could make the top four. I, it's, I felt the same watching the Mayhem though, honestly. Yeah, when yeah. the Mayhem lost to the Justice by running the Genji Ash kind of stuff too, um, I, when there's so much game tape on the justice and what worked and what didn't and, and trying to have different theories, it's so frustrating when there's so much playoff uh, copy. There's so much yes. playoff tape out there and yet it seems like from the outside that these that the coaches are too involved in their own team to be able to learn the lessons from right. the outside. I don't know whether they have guys reviewing VOD of other teams, but if they, if they do have people doing that job, they ain't listening to them. Also... Really you, dumb stuff. It, I will say the biggest lie in competitive Overwatch that the fans buy into is that pro players somehow always knows best, and they're these like godlike creatures that have like infinite Overwatch knowledge that no one else can really access. You see shit like this, and it's like you realize that Overwatch is a very subjective game. There's so many different takes on how to play Overwatch, what is the best compositions, 
what are the comfort picks, etc. Like, I can't, like, that's why, so some teams, they play the Senyara, other teams, they play the Ana, because they have subjective takes on what they think is the best meta possible. So, like, don't give me this shit that, like, pro players are just, like, on another dimension or on another level when it comes to Overwatch knowledge. It's like, no. You you see shit like this, and you realize that, you know, you, you can actually have some arguments about what are, about the knowledge at Overwatch. To Josh's point, though, like, we saw teams running compositions against these, uh, the compositions like that Soul and Washington ran, that we had already seen over, like, 10 to 12 maps lose consistently. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think, think it's just a bit, it's just a bit, uh, kind of, like, naive to look at all of that data yeah. and be like, oh, well, we're just gonna do it better. Like, yeah. like, like, that's I not... Get it. And, and we, and, and that was... And, that, and you had that take after already seeing other people have that take and lose already. <laughs> like, like, it's not like, yeah. it's not yeah. like you, it's you're not the, like, like a last team. You're the I last mean, team. You should be the most we, prepared because you've seen every other team try a bunch of different stuff against a load of different hog teams. Even if it's something, you'd still yeah. come out with this. Okay, How so. Like, hey guys, we got to run something a little bit different. Like, we may not have the answer, but at least try to a different so this is where i am the pain in the ass and you know yeah. i'm not trying to do this to be a pain in the ass i legitimately just want to cover the topics to not leave the viewers wondering you know how we're having these conversations but if fusion had lost to the justice playing sombra reaper <laughs> we would have said the same thing just like oh, no, we have so played... much play tape no, they're playing they... sombra reaper against but, the justice what do they, they also, think but they also played roadhog sigma double sniper they played other types yes. of compositions they didn't just they didn't just try out they definitely some yes but if they had lost Li jang tower and you know tower, and they had continued to play sombra reaper and yes, fuck out of them but if they played sombra reaper at the beginning lost and then changed to something else like if they had if they had played sombra reaper and then they had changed to the double sniper and they had lost all of those maps i wouldn't have been that mad because they they tried yeah. something that theoretically can work but to try and run the same composition across all three of these maps essentially where i i did did uh, nenny get subbed in for the third map actually uh no he didn't they just ran cbob hacksaw the entire time and the only major yeah. adjustment they made was putting hacksaw over on the genji which anubis which uh, as soon as i saw that map pick i was like they're gonna fucking throw and play genji because at least the sombra reaper is a theoretical counter like okay yes. You have to play it at such a perfect level that, to be honest, it's not a good counter. We figured that out. But at least I can understand the thought process. There is no good thought process, in my opinion, not one that I've heard articulated anyway, for why Ash Genji should be a decent counter against these Roadhogs. There is right. no good thought process for why the Sombra is a better pick than the Tracer, or why the Ana is a better pick than the Zen. And, and, and even if there was, you've got all the game tape as well, the actual yeah. evidence that it isn't. Especially after we know they just nerfed Genji to the floor. I'm just tapping into my hosting role and want to make sure we have our bases covered. So the yeah, I like that, Johnny. You know, you, you're playing you know? devil's yeah. advocate because you already yeah. you've, you you actually predicted the Reddit comment of them yeah. saying, "Oh, Philly, Philly played Sombra Reaper and they won. Why are they why are they shit talking to Mayhem for trying it? I, mean, I like should, it. We shouldn't give them the oh, time no. of day is... to begin with, Brent. You predicted yeah, right. it though. You predicted they... it. And you got ahead of it. I like that because yeah. they didn't just stick on like it, it's. Yeah, there's one thing where the meta Let's... is mirroring, and you stay on it the whole time, and you lose. But when you, we've, uh... it's yeah. just dumb. They're not. Uh, uh, Here's uh, let, let, before we end this debate. 
I also want to say that this Go is the, another uh, hypocritical point right here that Justice fans are going to absolutely maul about and be so upset about, but I don't give a shit because that's how it is. I loved how Soul actually were so creative going into this playoffs and they actually just experimented so much. They weren't just playing the defaults. They put creative on Ana, like full time, just benched Bedosin and just put creative on Ana. They took Toby and said, yeah, you're a mercy main now. And they also managed to somehow make profit and fits very comfortable swapping roles with each other and take turns <laughs> on the ash and allow fits to play the sombra and profit to play the uh, tracer and they allow gesture of all main tanks in the league okay we know he's you know he has the aim etc he's taking down bren but they just gave him the reins and were like hey do your thing in roadhog dude just yeah. do your thing in roadhog mad oh. respect to the soul dynasty oh. for just like going out of their way to just do silly shit like this and making it work and yeah. qualifying for the final four so, so that's hypocritical as we've just spent like the past <laughs> half an hour just like punching the fucking justice just like well, <laughs> you're playing this dumb composition with comfort picks uh, but here we are. i love what oh the soul we're doing the, in apex region the justice probably wish they were soul that they didn't have to sub their main tank out to actually play this type of stuff and they could actually <laughs> rotate around three different things like so like we're actually soul, playing a main tank <laughs> yeah soul is like the proper evolution of the washington justice nah, you say uh, that I don't think they're as clean. Okay, and no, this leads us perfectly into no. the next topic is... They are more flexible. Let's start, let's start a discussion of will Shanghai go all the way? Is Seoul a threat? This is kind of the summary here. Let's start with will Shanghai go all the way? I, I mean, sorry, I, I kind of let that on thinking we would talk about Seoul as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like, huh? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize they were split up into two. Uh, can we talk about Seoul first? Do we have a lower third for that? You're like, this is a I great segue into both, can Shanghai win it all? <laughs> oh, so, so we don't? Okay. I don't think Okay. That's all good. But, we but can yeah. sum it up. Between the APAC teams, you mean, is, is Shanghai uh, seriously better than the Seoul Dynasty is? No. Is that you're after? No, that's not what I, I'm after. No, I, I think it's more will the APAC teams. Will the APAC I th teams I think go this far? idea, well, the subject was are the APAC teams like the best or North America the best? We've already kind of established right now that APAC is not as good as, as North America in our own opinions, right? Currently. I think right now, right I now as it stands, if they, if they were to play tomorrow, I would have all my money on it being a shock Philly finals. No, oh, I'm no, not... no, 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 no. Yep. Uh, I think it's Shanghai shock, Shanghai shock, dude. Well, hold on. Fight the... Okay. <sighs> I mean, I would agree that the Seoul Dynasty look the weakest of the four because yes. that's yes. my opinion. And I think yes. it. Yep. That's my opinion. So. What I like about the Soul Dynasty is that they are more flexible than the Justice. They don't just have to stick to the Roadhog's area, but they don't look as disciplined with how they play either. You know, just, just going on these wild flanks, trying to look for hooks all over the place. Marvel's pretty good at how he supports him on a range of different off-tanks, but I don't know whether they really have... Like, okay, you talk about Prophet and Fitz being great, but Fitz, Fitz looked like he was good in all of the games until he went up against Lip, and then he was getting his shit kicked in. He yeah. was getting destroyed <laughs> in that head-to-head -head matchup. Yeah. And I, I personally feel like uh, if Carpe ends up playing the long-range hit scan for, for Philly and Ants for Shock, that Fitz is probably the weakest of the top four when it comes to that. And even if Profit picks it up, Profit's going to be the weakest of the top four yeah. as well. Profit doesn't really play those roles naturally. I don't know whether he's going to be the best. So I think that Soul... I kind of hands down the weakest because they've only showcased hog comps right now. That anyone that who can play out, maybe. Yeah. Anyone who can play devil's advocate to that? 
No, I mean, my oh. only devil's advocate point is that I made my prediction like three weeks ago in that I think that right. Seoul would win you, the first match. That was three weeks ago with no insights. I, so, I will I, say, I think Philly's ability to adapt and play different types of compositions, uh, I, I think Philly in the next like two, three weeks, I if this thing kind of goes in the way that I think it'll go and it'll be something a little bit more Roadhog centric. And then the Winston kind of compositions uh, in certain maps and modes, I think Philly might have a higher ceiling, than the shock in that type of game where I think Philly Shanghai could be really competitive round one. I am. I don't anticipating... know if I think that what, what it takes. Philly Shanghai is a ridiculous round one game, by the way. Yes. Every yep. single head to head is just absurd. And we've got <laughs> double LM. Yeah. Oh. is Hisu. Sado Fearless, the redemption arc. So you've got like the best Sombras battling against each other. The redemption arc main tanks battling against each other as well. You've got Void versus Fury as well. Two of it's yeah. just, it's, 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 DJ Gone versus Funny Astro. DJ Gone. Holy moly. Do you guys so, think the... Oh, sorry. Go, Johnny. Let, let me blue ball you for a bit. I still think that the travel is going to impact some of these teams. And that's yeah. why I think that the Western teams might get off to a pretty rough start here. And, if, you know, it's pure speculation, but I do think it will impact them in some way. Okay, let's keep this on track with Shanghai, though. If that match was to be played tomorrow, which team would you have to win? Shanghai. I... I take Fusion. I, I would think. take the Fusion. I would take the Fusion as well. I, I am not that confident in Shanghai, and I'm still... We, we had to record a prediction video, and I'll give you a hint and a little spoiler. I expect it to be a North American Grand Finals. I expect it to be Philly versus mm. Shock in the finals. I don't have that much hope in Shanghai for whatever reason. What I win I, with. That's the question that always I keep coming back to. Like, what compositions... Yes. And I play because if they play the Reaper Sombra Mirror, I feel like Philly, if it was played tomorrow, remember, I'm not uh, accounting for like, no, you know, the, we, we well, can't uh, account for like, three weeks' time or whatever. But this yeah. is, like, if it was played tomorrow, if it was a Reaper Sombra Mirror, any of the maps like that, I feel like Fusion wins. And then if it's kind of some more long range hit scan kind of things, we haven't even really seen Shanghai, we haven't seen the, um, the APAC teams play that much of that kind of style. They, they normally play that style with the hog. And if it's a hog mirror, I don't know. Mm. It becomes much more even. I could definitely see the um, the tracer sombra being uh, sorry the the tracer ash being the place where Shanghai gets the edge if they play that with the hog. But maybe lip getting the better end of Hisu and then Fleda and Carpe. I, I don't know. I think it's pretty close on all comps apart yeah. the Reaper sombra. Weirdly, looks much better for Philly. I. I almost, like, I haven't recorded that video yet, but I almost kind of in leaning towards where Bren is. The only thing I worry with San Francisco is putting together Roadhog-based compositions with Smurf and Choi. Hey, okay, well, I, hit me out with this one. Super on the Hog. And you just sub in Super every map where you want to play Hog? This sounds like a meme, but Super's Hog is legit quite good. But then, uh, like... Yeah. And it, it gives you a bit of flexibility. It doesn't immediately lock you into that hog composition. Super can play the main tank. He can play the Winston. Yeah, and we know that it's very important to the team as well. Like, they will surely try to find a way to integrate Super into here, I think, because yeah. he's just going to be so crucial, yes. like, in a playoff swimmer like this. 
and they've even said like how how important like how much they rate super so, to actually like help this team you know in clutch and, situations mentally and i love super and i'm sure he can do it and play it at a high level i just would not want to be the team that has to travel quarantine and play around the new main tank in a different type of role going into you know two weeks down to the wire so, right okay so this leads us into the we've already kind of briefly discussed what were expectations of a soul shanghai as well i suppose but i mean it's hard to predict how far we want to go with Shanghai. How confident are we in the North American teams? I'm pretty confident. From what I saw in APAC, if I was the Shock or the Fusion, I would not be as scared as I think I was probably led to believe I should have been as scared. Uh, I think Seoul looked good, but I think to Josh's point, anything that comes down to like, like Profit versus Ants in a hitscan battle... Uh, you have to say Ans has like a huge advantage in terms of that. I don't think uh, Seoul is going to allow those head-to-heads to like work out though. I think Seoul will continue to like throw these kind of wonky tactics at them to like throw them off their guard. I don't think you'll see like right. mi straight mirror matchups happen because yeah. I think Wait, Seoul loses those. Which is why I still think it's a lot of the Farah. Profit's yeah. been playing a lot of Farah. Which, yeah. I, which is why I still think Seoul has a chance, because I think they're the one team that can go a little bit justice on us and go out of the box and come out with yeah. something that's just... Because they probably know, Johnny, like, to your point, like, hey, if we go in and play, like, Ash Tracer against, you know, the Shock, and they play Ans on uh, Ash and then Striker on Tracer, like, we may as well just start preparing for the loser bracket, right? So yeah. they're going to have to come up with, like, some Fara Sombra type, like... BS to kind of get around it, which Seoul yeah. seems to be willing to go there, right? We don't know how much more they have in terms of like Roadhog Sigma type of compositions with like Faras uh built in. So uh maybe it is something. I think Shock should have the advantage in that one though. And I think NA overall, uh, I I mean it, it's hard because we as casters we see way more of NA. I mean, I watch the APAC games, but it's very hard to kind of take a barometer to like, okay, like, you know, translate this over. There are some points in the season where I have been all in on APAC and I'm like, NA just looks like there's, you know, 12 teams that just have no idea what's going on. Like, uh, but I think lately and from what I've seen, NA look to be really competitive throughout the whole playoff. It's been playoff back and forth. This, yeah. entire, this entire year, it's been back and forth. Just the one thing that it's proven is that there is no dominant region it can change at any given time. And, yeah. I mean, we're not going to know the true answer until that first match is being played between those teams, until that first round of the Final Four is played. Yeah, We're not going to have a real even answer. Then, even then, we're not going to quite know because of the stuff like the travel and the quarantine yeah. and things like that. So you would expect the North American teams to be at a bit of a disadvantage, especially because our the something we spitballed about in previous Plat Chat episodes was that maybe the North American teams would have an advantage because they would come in with a style that was new and different, and the Korean teams wouldn't be able to adapt quickly to it because they couldn't scrim against them. But yeah. the styles between the two regions, they're pretty similar. Yeah, I, mean, I can't see the, them coming the, up with anything too new. No, I mean, the, the, maybe the biggest difference is that the APAC region has fleshed out the HOG plus a different off-tank meta much more yeah. than the NA 
region yeah. has. So if things go in that direction of like Hog Ball, Hog Diva, Hog Sigma, it seems like APAC has really tested out a bunch of these different comps and what counters what, whereas NA hasn't done that experimentation, whereas NA has got much better at the Reaper Sombra, specifically Philly when I'm talking about this, is much better at the Reaper Sombra, and then Shock looks god-tier at the Tracer Ash Zen Mercy kind of comps. I think a lot of it's going to come down to map selection, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Like, in yeah. every single match that you can theorize between these top four teams, people are favored on certain maps. You know, like... But the, yeah, go on. The, this is why I respect the Shanghai Dragons, because they're almost the team I trust the most. I mean, the shock... I'm not going to... I'm not going to label us best anymore. It's, it's impossible with these four teams. But, like, the Shanghai Dragons, they do such a good job of playing so many different compositions and, like, yeah, catering the maps to their favor. Because, like, they, they can come out and just play, like, you know, fucking Lucio Moira, Sombra Tracer. They can play Sombra Reaper. They can play Ash Tracer. They can play Farah. Like, they are able to, like, play these compositions so fluidly within a series and then cater the map picks, if they have to pick maps, to their favor. Whereas, like, you look at some of these teams, like the Fusion, you know, they probably have to sub out, like, subbing Carpe if they want to play, like, the, the Ash. Like, they have some substitutions to be made. Uh, if they want to play, like, the Rodok Saria, like, do you get Poco in the mix, or do you just stick with Sado and Fury? Shock as well. Obviously, they stick to their comps most of the time, but they have Super they can sub in. You know, do you want to have Twilight and Violet, uh, yeah, Twilight and Violet, or do you want to sub Moth in? Like, some of these teams, they have some stuff to figure out like going into the maps whereas the shanghai dragons to me they're so fluid in their current roster that they can play so many different compositions that is why i respect the dragons so much because yeah. it's so hard to prep for them in that regard because they're able to change the series on the flip of a map so quickly what's, what's interesting is josh mentioned is you know we've seen a asia experiment war with roadhog plus different type of tank combinations where in na we really just kind of saw roadhog zarya and that Bowman's Roadhog, like, D.Va, uh, where I'm interested how a Sombra Reaper kind of composition goes up against, like, a Roadhog Sigma or some of uh, the ball composition. I think there's a lot of different variations that Apex playing with Roadhog. That'll be interesting to see how it interacts with what North America's been playing. And that's the reason why I am theorizing that things will trend towards roadhog plus a different off tank yeah. to be the meta yeah. across most maps uh, okay on the control maps you might be able to get away with some sombra reaper or even some rush reinhardt comps like we've seen occasionally come out like control is by its nature very kind of claustrophobic and it doesn't last for a long period of time so it, the environment you play in is just you can specialize in much more because you don't go down one, uh, you know a long map with lots of different environments hmm. so we might see a bunch of different stuff there but it seems yeah. like Escort maps, a lot of them are going to be really good for Tracer Ash, Zen, uh, Mercy. Same yeah. with Volskaya and probably Hanamura as well, although I don't expect many people to pick Hanamura. And, and so it, I don't know whether specialists, like I would consider the Shock team right now to be a bit of a specialist. They are the best of the four yeah. at the Tracer Ash, Zen, Mercy comps. They, that, that's what they look like at the moment. But they don't look like the best at the Summer Reaper, and they don't look like they can play the Hogcoms that easily without something super in. So I wouldn't say they're the best at either of those two. Can the Shock really win the entire tournament when the only thing they are the best at is those long-range comps? Well, maybe, because they would only have to win one of the control maps at the beginning or the end with some kind of rush comp, which they're also really good at, no. if they can lock down Assault and Escort. 
I, I think we're going to see some really close games when it comes to the final four that just ends up being decided on like map selection a lot of the yeah, time. Map selection. Yeah. That's why I feel, uh, I, I feel really good about like t the two teams, like Shanghai and Philly, which is kind of a bit of a shame that they have to play each other round one. Well, it's, it's double limb, right? So it's, yeah, yeah, it it's is. not the worst in the world. Uh, because those two teams have just weathered through every meta imaginable yeah. throughout the season. And they've also shown the roster flexibility to adjust to a different meta at a high level, at like a top two level, right? So, I mean, I would uh, say that Shanghai wild. also have. Huh? I would say that Shanghai also have. Yeah, I mean, that's I... why I said I liked the Shanghai. And oh, Philly. I thought you said Shock Philly, sorry. Oh, no, no. Whatever right, happens, right. it is going to be shaping up to be a, a really good i think playoffs uh, i think uh we've got yeah. uh, i mean the teams that got through i think the only the team that i predicted on the apex side was shanghai and guangzhou but i expected guangzhou to be a little bit stronger uh going through the, yeah. the playoffs but i mean i can't i'm not complaining to any of the teams that made it through like is this, this is gonna be more, some high quality gameplay open final four we've had uh in owl and i think it it might be just because of how kind of all over the place the meta is like right now i was just thinking like these these final four teams in our grand final event this could legitimately be the best overwatch event in uh, overwatch history outside this is of, going to be insane outside of soul i wouldn't be shocked if anybody else won yeah like if you if you told me like a shot soul would like surprise me a bit like okay souls able to get past shock yeah yeah then shanghai or philly and then one of them again that would be a little bit shocking uh but outside of that if you if you kind of like you know forwarded me like three four weeks in the future and told me this team won i wouldn't be surprised at all like that's how i think that's how good i think these final four teams are yeah yeah i i think that's a very fair take on the the situation as well all right Oh, like sorry. There's another amazing storyline coming into this final four as well, because we are probably going to get oh, yeah. our first repeat, repeat winner. winner of the Overwatch League. Oh, the Philadelphia great. Fusion has Fury, who, by the way, if Fury manages to win and he's the first repeat winner of the Overwatch League, and he's been like arguably a top two off time for his <laughs> entire Overwatch League career, you have to start talking about this guy as a potential GOAT candidate too. He'll have yeah. had the most, the most Overwatch League titles. Okay, he didn't have a long and storied history before the Overwatch League, but that kind of like consistency at the top plus two titles has got to put you in the conversation. He, then you've got the whole of the Soul Dynasty who are like the, not the whole of them, but Bedosin, Gesture and Profit, who Profit's already a GOAT candidate. If he manages to win... Uh, repeat titles that's outrageous and then the shock as well you know that would be an, a, an incredible dynasty to begin with back-to-back -back wins can i and just... then shanghai are the norton 40 team that yeah. might end up winning it yeah. and they're the only team that could stop repeat winners they're like yeah. arguably the most dominant team this <laughs> year you... and they're the only ones without any repeat winners did you see my video from watch point in season one that got yeah. tweeted so where good. i yeah, said that Florida... Fletta would be the MVP and we would just get rid of the award because he would win it forever and Shanghai would win and that Doha wasn't on the broadcast anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything came wrong. true. Apart from XQC casting. With I was wrong about Monty and XQC casting. Oh, that yeah. I was wrong with. Uh, and I was wrong about them turning Nate Nanzer into a robot. Having yeah. him be the commissioner. But I mean, oh, we yeah. don't know. Has anyone seen him happen. since he left for Epic? 
Epic Games are investing a lot into AI, I think. They built Nate with the Unreal Engine and they're loading him out to other companies. <laughs> Maybe Nate will be one of the first <laughs> test subjects for like Elon Musk's Neuralink, whatever it is. You know, get a chip <laughs> oh. into the brain. Who knows? All right. Let's... I wanted to say yeah, on yeah. Uh, a Fury anecdote as well. Yeah. When you brought up that he was like a GOAT candidate as well, it's like. I remember him getting picked up for Team Liquid like it was yesterday, man. <laughs> because we spent some time, it was, uh, you know, in Apex Season 1 or whatever, um, me and Internet Hulk, and obviously we scrimmed some of these Korean teams back in the day. And I think Fury played for, like, Rhinos Gaming or something? Yeah, something like and, that. Um, Very niche team, yeah. He got picked up for Team Liquid, which I think Internet Hulk was, like, coaching or managing at yeah, the time he, or something. Yeah, it was Internet Hulk that, pick, that picked him up. Yeah, yeah. And I actually watched some of the first games that Fury played for Team Liquid. And I can remember to this day how like how he played like Saria on Hollywood or something and just yeeted like two or three grabs and caught no one. And I was like, who is this absolute bot lord of an off tank? Just playing Saria and just yeeting grabs on surges. And I actually spoke to Internet Talk and I was like, trust me, trust me, dude. Fury is going to be an absolute sick off tank. Like this dude has so much potential. Yeah. I remember and, him uh, saying that. You know, it, rest is history. It spurred me to make a tweet before the Overwatch League even began in 2018 <laughs> of me saying that Fury was going to be one of the best off-tanks in the world. Yeah. yeah. It's wild we don't talk much more about Fury, considering how good he is. Yeah, he is. I feel, like, I feel like we talk about, like, I feel like we talk about, like, Krong on the show a lot, like, uh, you know, Choi and Boy. He's made a lot like... of playtime with Poco, though. Yeah, that's And it's true. also, it's a, it's a very... Uh, I feel like it falls into the unsexy roles of Overwatch off tank. Yeah. It's one yeah, that's hard yeah. to see the impact if you're uh, not watching quite closely. It's very easy to talk about the impact of Genji players, hitscan players, things like that, even support players. But the off tank is always the unsung hero. So you want to see an amazing wayside. recent map by Fury? Go and watch Li Zhang Tower against the Washington Justice. He was everywhere. Yeah, was he, his defense matrix was there every time Jano got a hook. He was there peeling for the backline. He was there putting pressure on the on their backline. He was a menace on that map. And one of the biggest reasons that uh, the the Sombra Reaper comp worked as a counter compared to the um, you know the times when people have tried it in the past against the Justice. Hmm. He was yeah. insane. Pretty nuts stuff. I'm closing this conversation off. I've tried to end it like three times and you've all just come in with a new... One more thing. One more... No, I don't want Storylines. Shut up. Anyway, let's uh -huh. talk MVP because it's finally announced. We got announced the other day that we can finally talk about it. The T-Mobile MVP, Fletter, got the award. Not, not the first choice for me, but I'm not upset with this choice whatsoever that Fletter ended up getting it. I think he was uh, uh, definitely a worthwhile candidate. I think he had more than double the votes of the next candidate when it comes to when it came that to this crazy. Kind of award. I really Fletter. hope they make it public who voted for who, because I'm gonna enjoy that so much. Well, I saw some of the journalists it. tweeted about it actually. Like some of the journalists wrote an article about the people that they voted for and uh, and why. So people yeah. are getting ahead of that. I voted for Void. That's I also did, actually. Yeah, I voted for Void. I feel like yeah. Void is one of the big reasons that Fledder's had the space on Shanghai to, to perform, because I don't think Fledder's really gotten better this season compared to um, he's what he's done team. in the past. But he's yeah, he's on a good team now. He's on a good yeah. team that, and a team that really gives him infinity amounts of space because yeah. their tank line is outrageous. And so Fledder doesn't really have to do too much, doesn't need to carry. He's just so consistent on every hero. Yeah, it's, it's a super valid take. I yep. voted for Fledder personally. I just think that, like, you know, he has the space, but 
at the same time, Flat also like enabled it, you know, like you gotta, you are, you gotta hit your shots yeah. once you have that a space. season of freaking hero pools as well and yeah. just like elite performances yeah, across absolutely. the board like i think there are very legitimate candidates across the board like if you voted for alarm i don't blame you if you voted for violet i don't blame you if you voted for void i don't blame you personally i just selected flat it was funny how the they... damage impact the season this this video when i gave him they were yeah, like yeah one more good. interview one more interview there's teams waiting behind them with a cake but they just bring it out at the end. It was like it's his I love birthday. That. Yeah. And then so, Void's sat like with the cake and someone's blasting party poppers in his ear and Void's like, oh, oh. Yeah. So apparently Costa gave me this anecdote uh, when we were talking in TeamSpeak during, during the video as well. And apparently like Costa's, you know, doing an interview or whatever and they know that it's going to happen, you know, it's going to bring in cake or whatever. But, you know, they took so long to bring the cake because they were like sneaking up on him that they just sat quietly. And oh, then really? we're like, wait, wait, oh, wait, there's cake. <laughs> like, there wasn't this big celebration. They kind of snuck up on him. We're like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Look at Void. While the party poppers go off behind him, he's like crouching, cringing. The I one like thing, uh, Yeah. I was going to say, I go wish ahead, uh, in the future uh, for the, not voting for MVP, but voting for other stuff. I don't know how you guys felt. I think for roll stars, I would have liked to have the main tanks and off tanks separated. Yeah. Because I think for me, that yes. was hard. Yeah. And then I felt kind of bad picking two. Like, I picked two main tanks and two off tanks. I don't remember which one's off the top of my head. I uh, I mean, yeah, I, we can't really talk about it too much because you haven't announced the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think uh, that would be one change I'd like to see, like, in terms of awards I... in the future. You I actually like can't talk see. about your picks, but I don't think we should. I think we should yeah, save it for another Yeah, yeah we'll save that I, for another day. I would like to see the Rookie of the Year award opened up to... Uh, I, actually, I was going to say opened up to tank, DPS, and support, but I That's think I this, this, year really? was kind of, this year was kind of crazy in terms of how many rookie candidates we had. It, like, it'll be the same every year, though. It really yeah, will. Yeah. Like, the amount of young talent that comes, especially out of Korea, is absurd. And so the, there's always going to be good rookie candidates. I mean, it, it kind of got ruined in Season 2 because the whole of the Vancouver Titans got picked up and they were so incredibly dominant. So yeah. you're picking a rookie not from that team, you're a moron. Uh, yeah. But in most seasons, I feel like there's going to be a good candidate from all of the roles. And picking this year b between insane performances from like alarm and legion on support and then you know krong's probably the best tank rookie that you could ask for and then ans and lip like yeah. it's, it feels yeah. so bad that you can only award <laughs> one of these Dude, guys even even mvp i would have loved if they would have given me the option to have an mvp at an a and an mvp at apac like even even on, well, what, even yeah. on uh, Shanghai, I I thought Void definitely had a strong argument for the, mvp the voting, as well yeah. but the voting process that they do in the NBA for Rookie of the Year is that they, they get you to select your first, second, and third choice and apply like five points for th first, yes. three, three yeah. points for second, one point for third. And they uh, they add up all the results at the end with, with all the people who voted. And that's how they decide who was first. But you get to see who was close second and who was close third yeah, in those roles. That's quite cool. That would be quite cool to see as well. They the do that for MVP too. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I would also, be, that would be really cool. I feel like people think I... I've seen this on um, people tweeting at me as well. People thinking that I hate Fletter because I try and... Because uh, this season, I've been downplaying his um, uh, Tracer in particular because I don't think that he's like the best Tracer in the league this year. And some other people really do because he's been slapping in APAC. But I think it's a... It's like a timing thing. He he doesn't have the same ability in duels, this kind of stuff. 
Um, I do think it's quite interesting that Shanghai looked their worst in the summer showdown when Fleda was uncomfortable on playing Genji in that style. Yeah. Not playing the Genji, because Fleda can play Genji to a high level. We've seen that in the past. But just that style didn't really mesh with him. And then also, I feel like one of the reasons that the Sombra Reaper isn't working for them as well is because, again, that's like a style of Overwatch, this frontline Reaper, I require the resources, I go in and, and do things, is not really gelling with Fleda either. I just think that's a... A very interesting part, which maybe you could argue it's because when you get your best player on it on a role they're not comfortable with, the entire team suffers. Well, but I think it's quite interesting to think of Fledder as actually being one of the key weaknesses for Shanghai throughout it, some very specific metas this year. It's something we never had to deal with, like in terms of like an MVP and an MVP vote before, right? Because in season one, you could just play Jonak on Zen the entire time; it didn't matter; he was dominant. Season two, we just saw Sinatra install Zarya the entire time, and what at the end on Doomfist. Uh, so you never had to see like that many people play all the different things. Yeah, it's like you could have kind of went around with all the MVP candidates, right? Uh, you know, whether you looked at like Violet, Alarm, Carpe, Fleda. Uh, I mean, that's kind of why I felt pretty good about Void. I don't think I ended up voting for Void in the end. I think I, oh, I kind of made a, like a list like Bren. I had Void like second or third, but I thought Void was like really consistent the entire year. But then I kind I mean, of... Yeah, Fleder was as well. What's so impressive about yes. Fleder is that he, he just played a bajillion heroes yeah. and almost all of them oh. were elite level. So well, you, you can't knock him too much just for having no. like one or two uh, that he wasn't quite there with. And if Sol had a good team around him earlier on, we probably would have won an MVP award before this. So, I mean, that's, that's totally okay. <laughs> yeah, Very possible. Probably. probably. Okay. Uh, there's a little segment coming up next. Special place in my heart for it. You already know what it is. We already rolled the video back. Johnny's earlier. power rankings. Not Johnny's power rankings. <laughs> uh, it's Brent's player of the week. Four teams. Team Mobile. Well, you wrote a clip. Hello, everybody. Good day. My name is Tony Maloney. And here I'm eating a donut from the finest bakeries in Brooklyn, New York. And you might be wondering why I'm here today talking to some of you. It's Brent's Player of the Week, presented by T-Mobile. I mean, What's that about? I don't know. I must have said a lot, but I couldn't hear it. It didn't come out of TV. It did play, though. So well, I don't know. Wait, we didn't hear it either. So yeah. it's no, only the viewers that know yeah. what the Only the viewers know what was. I... It must have been some wisdom. It's probably my prediction for the rest of the wisdom. season. Like, yes, the final four shall be these teams. And... I was reading your lips, and I swear to God, you at the beginning said, oh, hello, my name's George. <laughs> Could have, honestly. I don't know. I played many characters at these intros. Uh, my player of the week this week is, so you guys are going to think it's a meme pick, or but it's genuinely not. I've given this for some good oh, reasoning. Go. I've given it to John Spector and the rest yeah! of the OWL broadcast. Back <laughs> you the, just okay. yeah, I've given it to John Spector <laughs> and the rest of the Overwatch League team uh, behind the scenes who have had to deal with this shit show of a season and wrangle it and comfort... comfort oh, okay. Oh, hey, again. Oh, hey, I, I kind of, George again. Oh, We've, they've done magic with this season. The fact that we even have this situation where we've got four teams that are playing in a playoff scenario and we've actually managed to actually keep this thing on, the, on track is astounding to me. I think people yeah, don't yeah. appreciate enough the amount of work that's gone in over the course of this year. So this player of the week, presented by T-Mobile, goes to John Spector and the rest of the Overwatch League team who were behind the scenes. I mean, everybody knows who you are, but mainly John is, I suppose, the face of that. 
um, for, for doing a, an outstanding job of, of really essentially just getting uh, this thing going and even <laughs> fucking finishing it. Like it's, I yeah. mean, it's not, it's not finished it's, yet. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Right. Something could go wrong, but it's gone pretty well, all things uh, considered. It's a situation that nobody could have been prepared to deal with or know how to deal with, right? Uh, where yeah. I think uh, some of the pain points uh, I've felt like with the league in the past sometimes we're just like not agile enough, right? To like make changes where this we we they we proved that we were able to, right? Yeah. Uh, being able to change the format to tournaments, do the broadcast from home, get like our producers like set up, uh, us set up with all different types of like backdrops, cameras, uh, the teams as well, the teams, the, acting, teams. the teams acting on their own in some cases as well, and just yeah. not like essentially moving to a different uh, region, forcing the yeah. entire schedule and the but, format to change. Like, but, yeah, the wildness that was League Ops being like having to figure out who could play that week and like moving teams around, teams moving regions. Yep. Uh, you, you. You'll never see anything like it again, hopefully. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, but but I think it's just a crazy learning experience, and it's really impressive that we were able to pull it off. I mean, the fact of the matter is that most other esports, or a lot of other esports, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of different esports, they've just straight up had to cancel like some of their biggest events of the year because yeah. of this COVID situation. And like, yes, I can understand how you can be like, well, we don't necessarily want to like have a big major tournament or whatever have like that asterisk with it where it's like well you know it was online you know there was a lot of different circumstances whatever it's like you know they can make their own decisions i'm so incredibly happy that we managed to i say we john specter and everyone else working on the overwatch league managed to make this season happen because like everyone yeah. everyone knows yeah. it's like yeah we had to do it online you know there were so many like different kind of issues and then as well we're gonna have the final four and like teams will have to be in quarantine for two weeks like there's so many different things so many different asterisks but the fact that we managed to make it happen so many fans at home they got to enjoy uh, this content yeah and had something to rely on like some yeah. kind of entertainment to watch i think that just was so big for everyone who was involved and everyone who managed to watch as well mm -hmm. so big props to everyone for making and what, what i think gets lost in it as well is like the times have been really crazy right and like it's just been a mad dash for us to like kind of get this going from home and get it done and finished is that you know pre-covid the homestands were great like everyone was having like a genuinely yeah. great time at the homestands right like tons of fans you know the players were like it was super cool to see them in different cities across the country and uh see the turnouts uh where yeah. i, I th it's it's a shame we didn't get a whole season of that this season because i think it would have been truly like epic and yeah. really special but I think it's also just kind of truly epic and special. We were able to still have a season. Uh, we, we didn't have to be like, well, you know, that's it. Like, we'll we'll see you guys when we can see you, right? Like, because uh, yeah. I know even for us, uh, you know, doing this show is a ton of fun because, uh, I mean, we don't really have much we can do, right? So we're just kind of hanging out. But well, speak for yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, me and Josh, you know, stayed inside. You, you and Johnny, who the hell knows? Brent's venturing into Culver City. Yeah, Brent, his, oh, that's true. His, his basement Baron cards. Uh, I'm just stuck just, in downtown. Everything's closed. Having, I moved to. Uh, I just. Yeah, but having hello? Overwatch League to cast. Hell, Overwatch League to cast has been awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I will say the part of the reason why I decided to give it to, to John Spector and everyone else, obviously, is that 
they've done a fantastic job but also there's this i think a reoccurring narrative of uh of unappreciation throughout our scene right and it's that because it recently came up about you know obviously you can't blame the justice for their miracle run but you can blame the system you can blame the rule and who do you blame for that well the league but you have to understand that you make the best of the circumstances and sometimes the, st the shit that comes up you cannot foresee like that when when and as well i mean there's there's many criticisms over the course of the season that i can yeah. think of back to thinking how they worked out the seeding as well based on the win percentages I mean, one week the like yeah all the hero pools or the team or like basically there's a lot of factors that went into it that you can easily criticize but given the amount of variables they had to deal with and given the fact that we still had a season it could have been worse you know what i mean it could have been yeah, much yeah. worse and i think we have got a pretty good scenario out of it we're now going to go to the final four <laughs> and hopefully it goes well again there could be some logistical issues with it but uh, i mean fingers crossed it's the, that the final stretch is what i wanted to call it would have been more fitting but, yeah. also if when they made that rule, you went to John and said, hey, John, but are you worried that the Justice could pick up Decay and there could be a Roadhog Zarya meta where they sub out Roar and they become good? Uh, it would have been like, yeah, been we'll like, take the chances that'll yeah, happen. Yeah, exactly. that probably won. Like, you would be like, yeah, that's okay. Uh, there's probably not a good chance of that happening. Yeah. It's just the way the balance and things turned out. Yeah, and also, oh. I mean, you think uh, there was a reasonable chance that something even worse could have happened, where a team that does make it to the Final Four ends up having a player that was, you know, unavailable to be able to travel over there or didn't want to travel for health reasons. And yeah. they, people tend to not think about the bad things that could have happened had these rules not been in place. Yeah. Yep. I, I will also just say as well that, you know, you don't, I don't want to make the... I don't want to... I don't want the community to feel like they're ungrateful bastards because i do genuinely think as well that you know for most of the season sometimes they've been a bit you've been a bit naughty okay reddit you've been a bit naughty and you've been saying some stupid shit i'll have you know that <laughs> but for the most part they have also been like an overabundance of like appreciation threads to the point where they have, just yeah. like, I, I just chill out yeah but sometimes you know we, we can we can keep talking about how the fact that no one cares about you know appreciation threads or reddit or whatever on things but like sometimes that genuinely makes someone stay i will and say for someone i don't know I, I i haven't i haven't spoken to frankie about it but i can imagine that she's very happy about how she was welcomed into the community she tweeted yeah, about it like, actually yeah she tweeted how, saying, like, yeah as as a community that's how we should strive to treat people yeah because you could there, there would could have been many different communities that would have been like elitist about it and been like well she, you know she's not one of us like what how much experience does she have like coming in here and like blah blah like she hasn't been around she doesn't know the teams and like no like legitimately they've been very nice and just welcomed frankie in with open arms and been like she's been so awesome on the broadcast she was a ple pleasure to work with her as well like she made me and costa you know bantered with us and makes us look like fools and just like had a giggle legitimately had so much fun and the community yeah. just welcomed her in with open arms and just seeing so much positivity and appreciation and happiness like that also like you know we're also stuck in quarantine we're also stuck in quarantine mind you and we try to make the most of it and like seeing so much appreciation for it i i can't it, it's so it's so welcome so thank you yeah. for all the nice comments yeah. well. instead of I appreciation say, threads me and bren need carapace of nazoth uh, we do guide. actually need carapace of nazoth just apparently... just phase three
We're, we're, we're getting very, very close to Mythic Carapace. I will say, while we're, while we're actually directly talking to Reddit and the community, uh, I've got a little piece to fucking take out here. Let's go oh, outside and have a little scrap in the car go. park. Here Reddit, we go. Mythic Carapace, use social media. Mate, part of the thing that stopped me from using social media was I would see these appreciation threads, which was all well and good, but there's so many of you little shits that cannot help but tell You know who you are. That cannot help but tear other people down in the appreciation threads. If, if you oh, see yeah. somebody make a thread appreciating my colleagues, don't fucking write a comment saying, oh, I think that they're, oh, well, thank God, yeah, they're good because they're not so-and-so. I don't know what the context is. But if you have to tear down another person to bring someone else up, just shut your fucking mouth. And yeah. rethink what you're saying. I know. I know. So Reddit, has a, about that. Reddit well. has a big issue that everybody's not like me. I've I've seen that a few times. Where no, the, it, you know, nothing they, they annoys me complain. more. Nothing annoys me more, Matt, than people dragging down my friends and my colleagues. It actually pisses me off. You know pisses what, Brent? Me off. You sound like the Washington Justice fans. You're like, you've already yeah. made it. You've got to the top. You're an Overwatch League caster, yeah. but you just need people to love you as well. Guess what? That's not how I've the stopped caring. I've passed that point in my life, Josh. I'm past that point. I'm perfectly happy to be a villain. Like, I don't care. I don't give a fuck anymore. I've stopped caring about that. There was a point yeah, in my yeah. life where that was one of the only main driving factors. But I think that's a part oh. of growing up and removing the ego uh, from what you do. Yeah. I think, uh, I think casting and kind of growing up in the Call of Duty scene, which is uh, very large in terms of like social media usage and whatnot, kind of uh helps me understand that everything is like uh everything kind of goes in cycles uh you know yeah, they'll yeah uh, you know you're 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 the favorite today then you do the same thing tomorrow and you're not good anymore then you do the same thing the day after then you're the favorite again uh i think it's just kind of how things work uh in terms of like you know social and like things just kind of trend one way and then they trend you know not everybody wants to like one thing because then it's uncool, right? So as soon as yeah. somebody gets too cool, then it's like, oh, well, I don't like that guy anymore because he's too cool. Well, 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 what, Is that what you happened? keep saying to yourself, Matt, that people don't like you because you're too cool? But yeah, I am. I'm too pretty. Yeah, they don't like me because I'm too pretty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. why I hate yeah, you. It's a yeah. well-trimmed beard. Yeah, they're at home and their bases what? bash on their keyboards on Reddit. I'm good, dog. I'm good. <laughs> What are we doing next week, by the way, for our episode? The oh, it's show. the awards show. Yeah. Award Wait, show. Are, are the things oh. even announced next week? I don't even know. I have no oh, clue. Uh, but we can say uh, we will have uh, uh, something that go with All Stars, uh, mm. the talent takedown. Yes. Uh, I know everybody's been asking, you know, uh, you know, people are like, oh, who do you think is going to make finals? But the question I get the most is what the fuck is going to happen with the talent takedown? <laughs> uh, so we will have a live draft of the teams yeah. of the talent takedown. Uh, Captain Custa and Captain Jake, uh, they will be drafting the teams here live on Plat Chat on Friday. Yeah. Uh, and then that'll be, that'll be a Friday special for you guys. Uh, a little live draft of the talent takedown. I already see, uh, you know, something's being put in my box, but... Uh, <laughs> I think I think this year's talent takedown is going to be epic. Uh, I I I always get excited for the talent takedown. It should be the best one yet. Well, yeah. I mean, without kind of sounding <laughs> like uh, you know, yeah. Me, there me it is. With, without us, uh, you know, everybody says that every episode we tweet out about plot chat is the best episode ever, which is true. 
It is true. Uh, we, we only get better we, every episode. We we just keep setting a higher bar for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this year's talent. Yeah, this year's talent takedown should be the best one. I think we have some really interesting ideas for it. Uh, they've given us a little bit more like creative of it uh, than in the past. Yeah. Uh, so I'm super excited for this one. Yep. Yeah, it should be really it's gonna good. Be good. It's gonna be good. Did you okay. did you t say when it's gonna be the live draft? Friday. Yes, Friday. You'll Friday. be able to see the live draft here you know on this time? channel Friday. It'll go live when our episodes normally go live. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. <laughs> Friday, know 10 a.m. What? <laughs> PST. You don't know what the time we are. Our episodes go live, dude. Sometimes I look up. Sometimes I'm asleep at ten, so yeah. I don't. Sure. I, I slept you know, until me, one p.m. today. Oh, actually, no, no, I'm not. I'm not asleep at ten because we do it live. That would be ah, uh, yeah, no, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, live, no, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. of course. Uh, anyway, thanks for watching the live episode of Plat Chat, episode fifty-one here, presented by T-Mobile. Uh, any final words to the fans? No.